Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coca Talk, episode 278. Today is all snoozy newsy with a report from the VCF Midwest. Coca Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coca Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. hello everybody we made it it didn't blow up (laughs) at least we assume so if you're seeing this (laughs) (laughs) yeah we think we're going out over the air anyway okay let's see i gotta flip screens over there over there there we go all right, let's see who we got today so far. Yours truly, broadcaster. And next over, we got Mark Overhoser. Hey there, glad to be here. Wish I was in Chicago. Yeah, don't we all? Um, next up, Rick Euland. Yeah, Chicago would be fun, but this will do. <laughs> next best thing. <laughs> Way to upsell it there, Rick. <laughs> all right, center row, we got Ron Delvo. Yeah, it's cheaper this way. Cheaper this way. <laughs> yeah. Cheapskate. Yeah. All right. Center Square, L. Curtis Boyle. Uh, welcome, everyone. I just thought I'd give you some updates. That Grant Lady's just been texting me literally as you've been doing in the introductions. And he said it's going to be pretty hard to stream there because it's so busy. And he said that they're currently parking half a mile away on the streets. Ooh. Yeah. Their parking lot's filled up already. Wow. That sucks. It's so successful. I <laughs> guess we're glad we're not there. No, wait a minute. Hit me. You just have to film like this. Yeah, we're just we're gonna need a. Uh, um, I don't know. Maybe for the next show, they need uh, shuttles. Yeah, we're gonna have to get to them some directional mics and stuff here, so that it doesn't pick up you know all the outside noise and just concentrates on whoever's talking. Okay. Well, the pre-stream was uh, seems pretty good so far. Oh, another uh, update. He said there's thousands of people. It's never been this busy before, so it might be record-setting attendance this year. Cool. All right, uh, let's see, where was I? Okay, next up, uh, Exile in Paradise, Alan. Howdy, howdy, everyone from not Chicago, Texas. <laughs> not Chicago, Texas. And <laughs> bottom row, we have Tim. Yeah, I'm taking up the whole space by myself. Mm-hmm. Is oh, it lonely <laughs> down there? We'll get Nick in there with you. 
Look, look what I sent. I, I mailed Curtis a postcard. Yeah, zoom, zoom this up here, uh, Mark. So uh, can see it. Come on, button. There we go. So as we mentioned on the show before, uh, Tim and AJ are starting this bingo card with certain catchphrases. There's, I think, how many different cards is there? There's 12 so far. 12 so far. So he actually mailed me one here. So I, I got a chance to quickly watch your episode late, late last night, like about three this morning. And uh, I unfortunately didn't have time to actually go through the game and play it, but I'll have to rewatch it and see how I would have done. It's a little something extra. I mail out to people who give me their address. <laughs> <laughs> I feel stalked now. <laughs> okay. Let's see. That was panel intros. So. Right yeah. In case this. anybody is wondering why our panel is so small today, it's because just about everybody else is at VCF Midwest in Chicago. Seems like a perfect time to join. Yeah. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to take attendance when uh, when we do the uh, report. Yeah, and right now I think they're out for lunch. or They're always out to lunch, but I think they're out for a physical lunch at this point, and uh, we're just going to make them come back. I know there's – who else down there? I know Air Canales is down there. Uh, Ken's down there. Sloopy's down there. Taylor and Amy are down there. Uh, who yeah, else? Jim Brain. Jim Brain. David Ladd. Uh, John Mark Mobley. Uh, Jim Brain, yep. I think, are down there. So hopefully, from the sounds of it, it's going to be so noisy with all the atten people attending there. That's going to oh. be kind of hard to... Jason, Don't forget Greg Leakey. What was that, Mark? Uh, Jason. Reichert oh, is down Greg. there. Dimmons? And uh, Gre oh. Greg, Greg Leakey. I mean, Grant Leedy. Grant Leedy. Is there is our uh, GCC newsletter editor down there, too? I thought I saw a picture of him. Grant Blado? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Um, tell you what, do we want to go into any project updates to begin yeah, with? Let's do that first, because I mean, I don't, I don't want to start the news, and there's two weeks of news to catch up. Remember here, you know, if if they're going to be coming on for a report pretty quick, so yeah, we can get the small stuff out of the way first. Um, yeah, I'm thinking that uh, it's still going to be uh, most of an hour before they're they're back. They're on. Oh, okay. They they didn't plan their life around us. I just don't understand this. <laughs> cool. Well, I can I can show how my project's been growing. Sure. Um, let's see if I can change my face here. <laughs> I'm on the wrong screen. Come on, work with me. That sounds dangerous. OBS. Give me the C monitor. I can't tell. It won't do it. I'll have to go find it. Me, you. Canadian Retro Thing says VCF is great and far too loud to join the call. <laughs> Can they uh, step outside just for a second, just to at least tell us what they're what they're experiencing? I'm sure Grant will jump back in here. His his wasn't too bad earlier. I mean, we could kind of hear him as quiet, and everything else is really muted, so it should be okay. 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 Well, shoot, everything's blown up. I can't change my camera. <laughs> it's, uh... OBS upgrade. First world problems. Exactly. So let's see. Capture. I mean, uh, be monitor. Nothing. Main. Nothing. Is the stupid camera even on? Online troubleshooting. Don't you love it? Stop. Virtual. Welcome to the rehearsal. Start virtual <laughs> camera. Switch to B. Do it. I see a Burke and Burke. Interface okay. drive. Yeah, this was the original project. Can you get to that off this hard drive? So uh, we started with that and couldn't. 
But then they gave me an extra controller, which is a different model. So maybe I had the wrong model in my burger convert. So I tried that and that didn't work. Well, I've got some in my junk pile. So I'll try this other controller, which is a third model. Maybe this will match this hard drive. And that didn't work. So I dug around the junk pile some more and found another Burke and Burke with yet another controller, which That's matched four. So yeah, three types of controllers, two Burke and Burks. But that still didn't work. So I found my last Burke and Burke and my original hard drive. This was the run when I parked it version. And uh, I haven't had time to try to test that yet. But uh, so we're up to this. And I think I've got a couple more of these Western Digital controllers somewhere, but I'm running out of table space. So I've got to get it fixed pretty soon. <laughs> Did you make sure the cable wasn't broken? Well, I'm using a whole bunch of different cables. I'm at the process of, ah. okay, try BNB one with controller one, controller two. The problem is you have to have the right controller. And I've got, I was given two different models and then I've got two other different models and some of them will work in place of each other and some of them won't. Um, and then on a more humorous note, uh, remember I, uh, I zoom this up enough to read it. My uh, delivery was pushed back to February 28th of 2023. Uh huh. Well, it's now been updated to, um, to a number I can't change unless I zoom all the way down to get the change thing. So now it's December 21, 2022. Yay. So, so get oh, the window shrunk. So get your over-unders in soon because I'm sure I'll have a, an update. <laughs> It'll show up tomorrow. <laughs> that would be nice because this is going to fix some problems. Anyway, um, that's that's where I'm at in Project Land and expanding exponentially. I'd like to plug my T-shirt thing if I could. Uh, sure. sure. Share screen. Oh, okay. There's Taylor and Amy streaming live too. Yeah, they joined us. So uh, for the Sibling Rivalry show, my sister drew some wonderful um, controller artwork, uh, or as she calls them, remotes. And we <laughs> set up a um, to get them printed on T-shirts. So if you have any interest in a lovely Black Beauty uh, T-shirt, um, you can find them. You can find links to this ordering page on my YouTube show, Sibling Rivalry. Cool. Thanks. And you also give away bingo cards. We also give away business cards, and you'll you'll get a free sticker if you order a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we've got Taylor and Amy on here, uh, I don't know what we're viewing at the moment. They're a ceiling or something. Somebody's hand. Hey, ceiling you don't know cam. What we're doing. <laughs> you're Technical difficulties. First world problems. I've heard it's actually probably the busiest show they've ever had. Is that true? Not mind you, you have never been to one before, so I guess you wouldn't know. Taylor, my question is, did they bring the entire warehouse we looked at last year? Oh, I'm pretty close. I mean, I don't see an Atari. I don't see a Mattel Aquarius, but I've seen there are several pets, and I've been trying to make sure I pet all of them. And uh, <laughs> they've put all the Coco guys in Coco Corner. Do you want us to run over to Coco Corner? The audio may get a little dicey, but we can show you what uh, what what our friends are up to. 
Sure. sure. Even though it sounds like a detention room. Yeah. Right. And we are in the back hallway. Yeah, we 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 yeah, we're in the quiet place. So actually, if we turn the camera around so it's not facing us, we can march you over there. Okay. Sounds want. good. We'll get a nice snapshot of the BCF okay, too. We'll do so. that. Okay, I'm gonna give this to you. All right. Wait, now you gotta turn the camera around. Oh, okay. There. Here we go. <laughs> I love how this goes as smoothly as your shows do. <laughs> That's not too bad, Internet. Say hi. You're on Coco Talk. Yay. There's our prize winner from last year's Coco Fest. So this is this is the first room. Wow. How many rooms? Look like there's two or three stacked together. Three? Yeah. There's a CD least. chart available. Plus the, the hardware. Display. Plus the hallway. Tony Pedraza. Tony Pedraza. Okay, so here's here's Coco Corner. <laughs> just just knock that Atari off like you're a cat or something. Here is uh Man set up. He's got his stuff and the uh, MC10 in the back. Love that. And cool. then uh, looks like an MC10 corner. You're live on Coco Talk. Oh. Yep, we're doing great here. And then if I go this way, I can show you celebrities. Ooh. They're actually right here on Coco Talk. <laughs> or they're streaming. Oh, nope, he's not there. There's LGR. YouTube sensation, LGR. Cool. Been I don't see Adrian. Where did Adrian go? Where's the Avid guy? They're probably getting... He's not there. Uh, do you have seminars right now, maybe? Or or that for lunch? Keep wondering. Robots. Ten print. Petting the pet. <laughs> Petting the ten print pet. At least they don't shed. <laughs> and they're pretty much high power, uh, hyper allergenic. Oh, where's Ken? Oh, wait, there's Robin. Here's Robin, David Chantel. You are live on Coco Talk. <laughs> uh oh. You're live on Coco hopefully, Talk. Hopefully, he doesn't get set on fire. Have you seen Ken? No. no. I think he's still at lunch. Yeah, that guy. We're Coco Talk, almost trash talk. David Lutz says everything's better with balloons. Ooh, are these? What kind of tables are these? The overflows. Overflowing. 
Yes, the hallways outside the uh, of the uh, conference yeah, so rooms. So it's about four times as much room as. Okay, I think I just saw LGR. I can't find anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we heard most of them were at lunch. Yeah, well, I think I saw a glimpse of uh, the epic guy there in the hallway. Not a one. The original. Nice to see such attendance, though. Yeah, it is nice. It's such a variety of systems, too. Yeah. Yeah, these systems might not be the systems that you had back in the day, but hey, we're all kindred spirits here. I mean, Somebody had them. Well, I mean, the pet that they petted earlier, that's the first computer I ever touched in, in person myself. That wasn't the first thing I ever used at school. <laughs> hey, phone. I wonder if it makes calls. Hello? My first uh, business card had the universal hacker symbol of a payphone with the uh, handset hanging by the loose cord. to indicate you had stolen that line. <laughs> Looks like uh, SGI systems are on the left. Oh, a stack of chairs. This is all happening so during that's the our, um, that's, that's your quick tour. Excellent. Cool. It looks really well attended and a lot of variety of systems and stuff there. So, Yeah, I'm sorry that we couldn't find Adrian and the 8-Bit guy wasn't at his booth. Yeah, we got you. But they are we, here. Yeah. yeah, well, we've interviewed we the 8-Bit guy before on the show, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we made really? Adrian's thing. You've yeah, We've yeah. interviewed David Murray? Yeah, it's our second yeah. or second or third highest viewed show. Oh wow! I gotta oh, look that up. Are the first of us? Yeah, right. I mean, we're early. <laughs> um, okay. You guys are third or fourth, sorry. I'm sure. We're so in the way. Um, all right, we're gonna sign off. Yeah. But um, peace, love, and cocoa. <laughs> okay. Well, if you guys do run into some of the big wigs you want to show on the show or have them come on, say hi. Feel free to pop in. Hey, where's your cocoa earrings and stuff? <laughs> I'm having to move the camera. So hey, Timbo, it's episode 117. Thank you. We're by the bathrooms because it's the only place. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> now I'm really glad you don't have really sensitive mics. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Have a good time. Oh, yeah. No, that was a neat effect. Yeah, it was. I don't Infinity know why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> And we welcome Nick Morantes to the show as well. Oh, is he on the bottom row oh. too? Yeah. Hey, everyone. You woke up right. just in time. Did you catch that bit from BCF uh, Midwest there, Nick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the end part there. Oh, so you didn't see the whole tour through the multiple rooms that was full. I guess their attendance is so good this year. Uh, Grant Leedy uh, texted me and said that they're not having to park half a mile away from the hotel. They're parking at Portillo's. (laughs) (laughs) Walk back from lunch. You're going to get. (laughs) So that's cool. It's it's good to see that. I know we're not quite fully post COVID, but it's definitely not a big, as big of an issue for the attendance is getting that big that they're saying it might even be the, you know, the best attendance they've ever had. It's going to be another roaring twenties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey Nick, your fan club, uh, Kevin Holloway says, hi. He must've missed um, you. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick's like some, as long as they're paying customers. <laughs> 
<laughs> that reminds me, I need to order his latest game. Well, he's got another one coming out fairly soon here. We're going to see it's a race between him and Paul Thayer to see who's going to get their, their game up first. <laughs> <laughs> By both. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. So, Rick, did we, did we cover everything you wanted to show there before we had the live stream feed from BCF? Oh, yeah. I just a couple of little things to till something happened. Everything else we're waiting on JLC, which finally accepted my order after the second time I redid it. I guess. <laughs> and a thank you for sending the, the, the last part of the keyboard. <laughs> which I haven't had a chance to install yet, but. Hey, there's John. <laughs> oh, there's Jim Brain, too. But, but I had to find something else to do because uh, my, son, my son did the orders and enjoyed money. So, John, can you hear us too? Wave hi to Coco Talk. So, my daughter did it for a couple years too. It's absolutely huge. I thought I was looking through a mirror, but no, that's a whole other room. <laughs> wonder what their electric bill is like yeah there's like three or four rooms all stacked together yeah. Plus and this way late. Nick can catch up on the stuff that he missed when he joined the call late so. hmm. you see that it's another room <laughs> you know what's cool this is all plugged into one outlet <laughs> right <laughs> I a bunch of equipment at Coco Fest because of that stupid misunderstanding with the power it was, yeah, their power was terrible. I had so many problems there. Well, we found out we were supposed to have that octopus thing to bring the, the 220 in and break it out, and they never gave it to us. Oh, there's Ken. He's back from lunch. Say hi to Coco Talk. Hey, hey. Hi, Coco Talk. I tried to connect, but my phone's a piece of crap, and I couldn't get on. <laughs> excuses, excuses. Excuse hi, he's running excuses. Nitrous 9. Oh, my heart just feels great now, so... <laughs> Check out that multitasking smoothness. So, so maybe John can give you a recommendation. I don't know if he can hear us. Say that again. So Ken, Ken needs a recommendation on a new phone. <laughs> iPhone 14. <laughs> you knew that was going to be coming from John. <laughs> So who's who's holding the camera right now? John Laurie. All right, yeah. yeah there's probably at least a ten Coco people there that I know of. The sounds of it. They're not all in, you know, right there right now because they're just for breaking for lunch. Ooh, tape lunch. I wonder if John has the latest uh iPhone. Well, it announced itself as a 13. Yeah, the 14 is actually is just on pre-order right now, right now, I think. so. Yeah, but he works for Apple, so he gets the early stuff. I don't know if he does. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. They they sell out so much, they don't have to do that with employees. They can wait like the rest of everybody. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, oh, I, and, uh, what you do? <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm really feeling jelly like I really should have gone. I wonder if it's warm in there from everything being on. <laughs> <laughs> only that almost looks like Chris in, Hawks, though. I'm pretty sure it's not. Only if you measure it in Fahrenheit. <laughs> Everybody wave hi to Crazy Ken if you watch his YouTube channel. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's really I don't know if I watched his or not. Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with this channel. Am I interesting? If I watched everything on YouTube I wanted to watch, I would never get anything else done, including sleep. And we got lazy game reviews over here. Oh, yeah, there's Clint. Yeah, them I've covered yet on the show. And they're not here at the table, but uh, 8 Bit Guy and uh, Adrian Black from Adrian's Digital Basement. They're sharing a table? This is the Big Shot YouTuber Corner. Yeah, it is. And if you guys know who Ben Heck is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I was ben Heck. Atari, yeah, let's build a computer on a breadboard, why don't we? That filament looks like the uh, wood grain filament that you see every now and then. It's crazy. He doesn't realize Coco Talk's right near him. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just can't feel the power. No. Nope. <laughs> Sometimes they have no idea who we are at all. <laughs> Let's see that uh, Tandy 1000 there. He can't hear us, can he? I don't think so. Once in a while he does, but from what I've heard, it's quite loud there. That was a fantastic beard. We have some on this show. That's true. Yeah. We have some epic beards in our show. I'm definitely not one of them. You guys, I'm going to sign off. Uh, okay, yeah. okay John, the thanks. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the people there well. should be able to enjoy it, right? No. Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they know we're more important? <laughs> the Brady Bunch. I didn't see any live stream of uh, BCF for us. I would have put that up in the corner. Yeah, the I mean, if, if we mute it, if anybody does join, we can kind of you know, monitor and just slip it in between stories or between presentations or whatever else is going on. So. Oh, uh, before I forget, I wanted to give a big shout out to Henry Reitfeld because uh, he's the one who actually arranged for me to get in contact with Dave Dyes after 20 years. So if it wasn't for him, that interview last week would never have happened. And I've gotten quite a few positive emails and comments on private comments on Discord for that interview. So uh, big thank you to Henry. Cool. All right. We're ready for the news intro. I guess unless somebody else has any presentations, Nick, you weren't on when we were doing the original go around and any updates and acquisitions and that kind of stuff. No, nothing, nothing to show. Okay. And I came, I think everybody else was already on. Tim, Tim covered his bingo cards and the merch. T-shirts. T-shirts. Nick, Nick, didn't you have anything to um, contribute regarding the uh, queen that passed? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 well, well, Nick, you are in the Commonwealth, so come on. As am I. 
<laughs> but one one thing of note, though, all uh, at least uh, England and Canada are going to have to have the, their currency redesigned. Yeah, though that's going to be a gradual thing because uh, we only yeah. do it when we're due to reissue a new yeah. bill or coin anyway. So you, we don't just rush out and change. Right, you don't and have Australia. Tradition. Let's petition to have the cocoa on her. <laughs> no, no bank runs because the queen died. Okay, that's good news. Yeah, no, it's just, I mean, we've, we've gone through this part of King George. I've still got a $10 1937 King George bill. So. Well, we actually have a new king, right? So Yeah, King Charles there. III. Yeah. We've got to change our public holiday, the Queen's birthday holiday. What did someone say, 76, and he finally got a job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> oh, cutting ribbons is a job. <clears throat> Just I'm, I'm sure in. he gets paid more than us retro people do for our jobs. So, mm-hmm. just to tie in, you know, you can see their lovely faces on my Ron's garage. Oh, yeah. Actually, before we do the news, do you want to go do a Ron's garage? We haven't done that in a while. And you've I actually don't. put a, quite a bit of stuff up. So, I, I don't. I'm not ready. I don't. Oh. Have, I don't have no. We'll hmm. give you time. We'll vamp for a while. I think that's All a technical right. term. Sure, I have t-shirts oh. to sell. <laughs> 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 what's what's your favorite design that aj did tim oh the black beauty it's great okay better than the deluxe better than the craft deluxe jo- joystick um <laughs> uh, i'm a fan of the 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 circular nature of the uh the black beauty i think it's the right way to do it a lot of games take advantage of it too yeah, well, that's true. Like uh, any analog games like skiing or Polaris or Space Assault and Galactic Attack, which it, yeah. your position is actually the position across on the screen you're going to be at. So, yeah, quite a few games took advantage of it. I think the best one that takes advantage where you have to use two of them at once would be Project Nebula or Intercept 4 because they both require analog on both joysticks simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Some sort of Velcro plate to uh, make it easier to hold. Yeah, right, I used rip. to have a big armchair in the basement. I lived in my parents' place, and I used to tape the Black Beauties onto the ch- armor chair so I could be like Captain Kirk on his <laughs> command <pod. laughs> playing Project Nebula. That was me. Uh, right Thank in. God, there's no pictures of it. <laughs> have I vamped enough, Ron? Or are you still working on it? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. It didn't uh, work properly. All right, go for it. I think I, I, I think I interfered interfered okay. with you. All right. Dun, 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 dun. Here you go. Yeah, there we go. All right. So what we have here is the queen taken off of VCC after I took the picture, and then um, a VG six picture from uh, Coco PGA for Coco's one and two. Can you believe it? This is um, actually on a CM8 and it smooths out all the pixels, makes it look better. Looks fantastic. She has great green eyes, huh? <laughs> anyway, um, uh, there's our The king. new king? Yeah. Not too bad for uh, pixelization. Yeah, I mean, the Coco VGA that you're running there is running at, what is it, 128 by 
96 by 16 color. If I tiny. Yeah. It's very small. <clears throat> also, um, did some Xenix last week. Was playing My God, around. Ron, what's happening? You're playing games more and more often. That was fun. <laughs> this is a good game. Yeah, this, it's, this it's one of the best. Of sound and, and it, the Music. screen shakes and pictures and, you know, it's really good. Yeah, and it, it runs 128K too, which is actually a, a good feat. Yeah, now didn't didn't this come out nice? This is uh, our rival groups. Oh, rival! Now nah, we're we're kissing cousins just about. I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that came out good. This is the very first uh, video game machine. Yeah, Nolan Bushnell's Computer Space, I think it was called in seventy yeah, one, if I remember. It didn't have a CPU. I understand. That's right. It was all TTL logic. They say. And mm-hmm. it was based on the PDP eight version originally. Was it? I think the one in 62 that I can't remember the guy's name. This is actually um, a white one is shown in the movie um, Soylent Green. Did you know that? Just a little trivia for today. <laughs> well, it's a cool looking little... console. I mean, it, it, they tried to make it look futuristic and actually for yeah. 1971, it really did. Because, I mean, Pong sure didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> there it is there. It says it right there. What else have we got? Labor Day, I had a goodie up and then um this is me and my dog i had a red uh gold or red um irish setter when i was growing up and then so uh, this back in rochester yeah no actually that was in toledo ohio before rochester okay then i did this i got a lot of uh comments on this sucker (laughs) (laughs) yeah i imagine (laughs) ron the troll (laughs) yeah All you have to do is say something like this, and then everybody chimes in. Well, I I remember when you know, but half of these guys that comment about how how good the uh, competition is, they've never seen a sixty three oh nine work. They've never seen a sixty eight oh nine or tried to program one or anything. So, yeah, yeah. they they view it as a popularity contest. So it's yeah. got to be the Z eighty and the six five zero two because that's what everybody used because they were cheap. Yeah, so because they were cheap, there's my buddy. Tucker, <laughs> that just that sets people off too in a different way. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on what uh, you know. Whatever, Mopar. I'm a big Mopar guy, so I do a lot of Mopar stuff. Uh, Buffalo Bills. Did you see the game, anyone? No, I did not. Fantastic. Though I have done their tickets in the past. Thirty-one ten. What a slaughter! Yeah. They beat. They yeah, it was great. So that's it. Basically, I did. Uh, you can put. Oh yeah, I don't think you've shown that before. That's that's your uh, submitted design for the Coco Fest thirty one for next year. Yeah, we, I actually have a better picture of that up here somewhere. I've been playing with um, Destiny three. It looks like favorite. Yeah, I love that program. I still got to fix that up for my yeah. but it. And I did this for Robot Nightmare, and I got a whole bunch of trash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up on that, and I did this for Steve. Steve uh, stole the picture, but didn't leave any comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be to be honest, he caught COVID. He was kind of busy for a bit. Oh, well, was he at that time? Okay, yeah. And look how good um, this displays on a CM8. Uh, yeah, the CM8 because it's got a crappy dot pitch. Ironically enough, actually makes the yeah, pixels blur together better. It actually, looks better on the real does. monitor. I loved it. It was really cool. That's about it, guys. Oh, here's the actual. This is what they have at the um, fest there. If you, 
What oh, they it? printed one up for you and the they, put it out they for printed display? a whole bunch of those all over the place in the show. So they're at VCF. Is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. There it is. So have you been chosen as the official one? Or are they still taking submissions? Well, as far as I know, um, uh, Mr. Leedy um, made this up. So you must be happy with it. This is what happens when you take a little corner and expand it to the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm done. That's it. Thank you, guys. Cool. Yeah, thank, thanks for doing the uh, the yeah. 31st annual uh, poster artwork, whatever you want to call it there. That does look really yep. good. Yeah. Hopefully, um, you know, it gets our act together and makes us look like a powerful entity now i'm hoping like one thing i always used to do with rainbow fest and the earlier coco fest is that i would want to get a t-shirt with the actual date so when i looked at it 30 years down the road i'd remember it yeah i'd remember what time of year it was you know everything else in the last few they haven't done that at least not the official ones even when they've had them so i'm hoping they take that design and make a shirt out of it well grant said he's going to get with me on what they want to say for a t-shirt design and then i'll make one up based on it hopefully Okay. I, I mean, you couldn't have all that on there. It'd be too crowded, but yeah, that right. would be a nice base design. Right. Exactly. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, I can go in the news first. Um, I don't know. How are we doing game on challenge stuff? Because we normally do the game on challenge and then the game news, you know, after that, but we don't have any of the game on people here except for maybe Mark. Yeah. So there's <laughs> no game. There's no game on challenge this week. Okay, we didn't even want to mention that there was a live stream yesterday, which actually surprised me. I didn't find out the way after. There was. It was just uh, uh, Alan, myself, and um, the guy who actually streamed it. Oh, Jim? <laughs> Jim Rye? Yes, Jim Rye. Yeah, because it's a, it's a two-barreled one, This this because mm-hmm. everybody's at VCF that normally runs that part of the show. Um so far, basically two weeks glove. we're doing so two different games for two weeks. You get to play for two weeks and get your best scores. Glove being one of them, a gauntlet clone, which uh, I'll be covering with Tim a little bit later. Um, and then what was it? Oh, Firecopter, a Dale Lear one from Adventure International, which is one of my favorites for a 16K machine. What, what did you think of that? Have you played those before, Mark? Just out of curiosity. I seem to remember Firecopter somewhere before that we've talked about. I just don't remember... I guess it wasn't a game, an actual game on challenge. But somewhere we've talked about it before. I well, when we interviewed it. Dale, obviously we went through it. But ah, okay. But yeah, I was that was playing mostly that one uh, last night, and uh, I was getting reasonably good with it. So um, there's a trick to putting it in single player mode. You got to hold the joystick over uh, to the left to get single player. Then you hit start. Yeah, because like left right is your one or two player, right? If I remember. Yeah, it, well, defaults to, to two player unless you push it over to the left okay so um but yeah. yeah it's one of the early 3d games uh with you know actually did try to calculate perspective and stuff properly when you're flying around so and you didn't have to be too precise with the water or the uh laser um, yeah but uh getting used to the controls to fire the laser versus the water takes a little bit though especially if you don't read directions yeah my best controls were the uh, uh keyboard joystick emulation on vcc Okay. And so, and Tim, I mean, I, we'll, we'll cover it in a bit more detail a little bit later here when we get on the Game On News, but uh, you and AJ actually just released yesterday, I think, playing Glove. Was that the first time you've ever played it or have you played it uh, before? That was the first time I ever played it. Well, what was your opinion of it? I mean, it's another Gauntlet clone. So we have a oh, few I, of those. It's a really good Gauntlet clone. Um, 
it's got all the features that the game has. It's a little chunkier, of course, because it has to be. Um, I wish it had single pixel scrolling. That would have that would have made it top ten. Yeah, because <laughs> right now it does a full tile scroll, doesn't it? It has a half tile scroll. A half tile, so probably a byte, four pixels or something. Yeah, something like that. Very close to being perfect. Very. Close. So, do you, do you prefer it over Gantlet? Yes, I do prefer it over Gantlet. And how about Dungeons, which is a little different, but... Uh, Dungeons is is not a Gauntlet clone. Dungeons is good. Um, there's a lot to Dungeons I don't know about yet. I didn't really... Me and AJ really didn't give it a, a fair chance. Um, uh, I heard from Karen um, later that I basically played wrong. <laughs> 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 we hear that a lot in the game on Challenge Up. Yeah. 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 No, I, I quite liked it too. Like when Glove came out, that was James McKay actually came out with a couple. We've covered a couple of his games now. So the Death Chase, the port from the Spectrum, uh, he did that one too. He also did Caves of the Unwashed Heathen, if I remember, which Jim Gary later ported to the MC10. So he was cranking out this stuff in the mid 2000s, like 2005, six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. And I don't really know what happened to him. Does anybody on the panel know? Because he just kind of disappeared. And he was actually one of the main software developers for the Cocoa during that really dead period when not a lot of active software development was being done. I mean, Nick took a break during that time. I took a break during that time and just about everybody else that I know. Nobody. I do, I do have one question on this, on the glove. So the, uh, the caveman is rather adept at croquet. Do we think this is because you have to knock the ball through the two hoops and hit the wicket? So you're sort of running a gauntlet. Or am I the only one that thought that was what he meant there? And if not, what did he mean by that? In the instructions, uh, there is a notation um, somewhere in here. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, caveman. Uh, the caveman is also rather adept at croquet. And what do they mean by that? And all I can think of is they're running a gauntlet at the end of a croquet pitch. You're going to... Go through some hoops and hit a wicket. And <laughs> is, it, is he better at shooting through walls? Because I mean, in croquet, you have to knock it through those little. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a gauntlet you have to run. You have to get through both hip hoops without touching either one, and then hit the post at the end. So you've got to. Yeah, and of course, gloves a play on gauntlet itself. You know, yeah, gauntlet there's some more gauntlet, gauntlet puns in here for, for whatever reason. <laughs> Just so I could worry about it 40 years later and stay up at night going, what did he mean? <laughs> yeah, this is the instructions off of uh, the archive. Yeah, because he was actually selling that. He actually made a full color tape sleeve and the whole bit for it. I, I, I think he lives in England, actually, because this, this game actually works on Cocoa 1, 2, or 3. It auto-detects. It detects if you have 32 or 64K RAM. It detects if you're on a Dragon. It kind of adjusts itself, you know, keyboard controls and everything else. So it actually auto-senses all that, just runs properly. Yeah. 50, 60 hertz is part of that. Yep. Yep. And he says possibly a ProLogic of 400. That's the Brit or Brazilian one? I don't know. Yes, I believe yeah. it is. There's the tape. Yeah, like he went all out producing this. I'm just wondering if he kind of disappeared because he blew a bunch of money doing this and not too many people <laughs> bought it back and they hope not. Because it's actually quite a well-done game, as Tim said. It's 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 probably closer to, to Gauntlet than, than Gamblet is, to be honest. I mean, it's a bit lower res, but with some of the... But it, it it really works well with the resolution it has. I really like the um, 
the style, the, the artistic style he's chosen. Yeah, especially for the res he chose, because I think he's doing 120 by 96, if I remember correctly. Actually, Tim, there's a question for you. This is a bit unrelated to anything, but uh, I, there was some talk, and I can't remember if it was on Discord or YouTube or what, but there was talk about artifact colors that people were saying that it shouldn't work in PMO2. And I, I mean, there's tons of games that use it in PMO2. So I totally disagree with that. Um, and I'm pretty sure MAME emulates it properly too, if I remember correctly. You know, off Am the top I remembering of my head, right? I, I, I don't know. Because stuff like Temple of Rom, um, Monster Maze, you know, they're PMO 2s basically, but they do have artifact colors. <sighs> and Glove itself, you know, when you're on some of the later screens, because it switches which screen mode you're in between PMO 1 and 2, I think it is, or the different color sets too. Um, it, it does it as well. I never even noticed that about uh, Temple of Rom. I always thought it was a um, PMOD 3 type screen when I, but I frankly never even thought about it. No, it's it's a lower one. Well, Monster Maze for sure, because Monster Maze plays artifact colors on a 4K machine, and you uh -huh. can't fit a PMOD 4 on a 4K machine. Because I remember that we were going back and forth, and that some people were telling me that I was wrong, and I'm 100% I'm positive that I'm, I'm right well, on that. Sounds one. like more stuff I should test in main, right? Well, I'm pretty sure I've tested some of those. I mean, I'm pretty sure it does correctly. I don't know. Were you involved with the video drivers for that or was that somebody else? No, Nathan Woods did most of the video stuff. Okay. Is he still active on that or? Um, it's it's funny. He, he posts patches every now and then. You know, I probably sound better now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, he posts uh, patches every now and then, but what he's really working on is a cool front end called Bletchmame. Like a yeah. real front end for an yeah, average a, user rather than a, a, yeah, a exactly. geek? A real front end like for an average user. Uh, oh, I'm looking the, forward to that. It only runs on Windows. Uh, it's been, it's I think, at version two already. Um, definitely uh, check it out. Like, Nick, I know you use a front end in MAME. Is that the one you use? Um, what do I use? Uh, MAME UI. MAME UI. Mame UI. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. I'll just try and bring it up. Hey, when did Tim show up? Do you see me? Nope. I You've see Harrison Ford. Just your name the whole time. Oh, it was Grant, yeah. Grant Leedy, too. Yeah, Grant just joined us. Can you hear us, Grant? Yep, I'm here. All right, we can hear you good, too. Oh, that's because I'm stepping outside for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Taylor and Amy popped by, and so did uh, John Lowry a little bit there. So what's what's your opinion so far? Uh, some people claim that this might be the best attended VCF Midwest ever. Do you think that's true? You've been to a few of them. Yeah, I would say that's definitely the case. We just went to lunch, and people are actually parking on the street about, I would say, half a mile to three-quarters away from the venue now. Wow. So, hey, did you did you see the Lisa for sale for $16,000? No, I did not see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would definitely, and actually I was just talking to Jason Timmons, and he was saying that this is probably the best attended BCF ever. So, so I'll put this way, people were, people were standing in line, and the line was going outside the door just to get the T-shirts. So, so he is, he was very excited. In fact, I was talking to him on Friday, and he actually had to turn down a lot of tables because there's just not enough room. 
So he's actually thinking about uh, moving to a new venue, to a, even a larger venue. So, and how long have they been at this one now? Because they just upgraded not too long ago, right? Uh, what two to three couple, years? Couple years, two years, three. Years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, three oh, years. If, if you want, if, 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 yeah, three years if you want to count the, uh, the the virtual one, but two years in person. So, yeah, it's just it's just gone nuts. So that's been, I think I was sending you a text that I can help. You, I can stream as much as I can, but it is. It's just so tight to move around right now. It's crazy. <laughs> well, like I said, Taylor and Amy kind of ran us through when everybody was at lunch. <clears throat> so we got to okay. see basically a, a quick overview. And then John Laurie took us around for a little bit of stuff, too. Yeah, so far we've had two run-throughs. And the show looks great. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. I would definitely suggest you guys make a trip out of here sometime. Yeah, I, mean, so, I just wish it was that time of year I could actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ken, Ken Waters is out here. Why ain't you? Because uh, I have <clears throat> rush season going on right now. In fact, I, right after this is done, I have to go back to work. So, and he, he was work, closer. He can work remotely. Yeah, but I have it's enough work. <clears throat> I don't want to like if I attended the show all day, I'd be working till four in the morning on Saturday and four in the morning on Friday, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, I would definitely say I think Stevie is going to be upset that he didn't make it this time because it's, have, just, it's just it's crazy. I have one word for you, Curtis. Yep, De- <laughs> delegate. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately i'm small enough of a company i can't do that grant did you get anything grant i have not bought anything yet i'm still going i'm still making my way through the show and i did get some stereo equipment i um, i went uh, with tony last night over to uh a gentleman's house that he was donating a bunch of stuff for the auction so just let you guys know the auction gonna be pretty nice this year it looks like but uh, at, at coco fest right yeah, yeah, at Coco Fest. So uh, <laughs> he says, "Well, since you're here, I'll give you some stereo equipment." So he gave me four sets of speakers and and a DVD player, a cassette player, and a Kenwood uh, receiver, and everything. I'm like, "Geez!" <laughs> so, so you're going to be going back with more stuff than you came with. Definitely so. Yeah. So now you guys hey, are in it, Chicago, right? So like that's Chicago, correct. Chicago has cars in the parking lot with their trunks open, and uh, you can get a deal that fell off the truck, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, use guys. <laughs> use guys. I got a deal. <clears throat> Fell off the truck. So, so how many Coco people have you seen there, Grant? So there are quite a few, uh, Jason. Coco Man, in fact, he's actually they're streaming to me right now, it looks like. <laughs> um, John Lowry, of course. Uh, there's uh, Tony Fordazza's here. Eric uh, Canales is here. Um, uh, the guy from... Ontario, Canada. I can't think of his name. Fabio, I want to say. Is that his name? Caruso? Fabio Caruso? Yeah, I think that's or it. Fabrizio Caruso it. or something like that. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah, so he's down here. Uh, then you have um, Malcolm. Sloopy and Ken, here. obviously. Uh, yep, Sloopy and Ken. Malcolm's here. Jim Brain. Um, Jim Brain's here. Yeah, so I would say, you know, we have a good Did show. John Mark Mobley make it? He, he said he was going to be there, so. Yeah, actually, I just saw him. I just ran to him just now, so he's, he just walked in, it looks like, so he's here as well. Okay. And how big so, is Coco Corner? It was kind of like we were kind of getting rushed around. Yeah, I would say Coco, it takes up uh, one quarter. It takes up that whole corner. So it's a pretty good show in there, too, as well. Blastered with a bunch of Coco uh, Fest posters and everything. So, And I really appreciate need- how the MC10 is shoved right into the corner. <laughs> <laughs> right where it belongs. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I got flyers thanks to uh, Grant B for making those. And uh, and actually, there's been quite a few people that have been picking them up. And so I think we're getting some good attraction here as well. So, and being on the uh, BCF Midwest uh, website is helping too as well. So, 
Well, there's well, a say, lot of say hello to your fellow uh, fest attendee there. David Ladd just came on the call too. Ah, oh, there he is. <laughs> there's He's a in lot of incognito on... in some white room, I think. Yes, yes, indeed. Get to the show people. floor, David. There's a lot of people oh. on Twitter um, taking pictures and showing stuff, you know, from the fest up there. Mm. Yeah, we got to see oh, the hotel room. Yeah, so I say that definitely, Mark B, try to make it up here next year. Okay. I'm just hoping it doesn't turn into a COVID super spreader event. That's the only thing I'm worried about right now. Because you're literally packed in like sardines. So it's, Well, there's it's no masks, are there? Do you I see saw a couple go by, but it's definitely yeah, not. Some people, some people are. Yeah, but I'm there's no mandate, though. Yeah. yeah. So Any, any women? Yeah, there's, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of women here. Oh. Yeah, I saw quite a few just when they were walking around. So, yeah, definitely a good show. So, uh, David, are you going to show them the show room floor? Is that your plan? Yeah, I'm probably going to have to mute out because I'll tell you, it's been so loud in in the showroom area. It's just ridiculous. Well, look who's coming here. Look at this. Look at this crazy guy. Where? <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking about? Talking about you. Talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys going to be attending any seminars or anything or uh, yeah, not me no seminars, but i'm not going to go through any of them unfortunately and we'll, have to, we'll have to get a cocoa seminar there at some point yeah and i actually reached out to taylor and amy to see if they maybe want to do a speech too for a presentation at cocoa fest so hopefully they they'll take us up on that oh nice oh. cool is, is that shirt for the show there uh, this is uh, this is last year's. They uh, I can show you the, I can show you the picture of the new one if you want to see it real quick. Yeah, good idea. Whoa! <laughs> what are you doing, David? Jason? Jason, David. Look, it's Jason. It's David. Look, it's Ron Delbo. Where? Yeah, hey. <laughs> oh, he's on the screen. He's on your yes. screen. I guess he's on the screen. He's he's in his see, look. Yeah, he's, he's right there. Right there. <laughs> and there's, and there's, there's All right. <laughs> <laughs> or we're gonna get some good echo now. Oh yeah. I have to say the wireless is actually holding up pretty well, considering how many people are there probably sharing it. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, well, I'm using the the cellular, so I'm not using the Wi-Fi. All right, guys. So that's a picture of the new shirt right there. Where? Where? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me flip it. Actually, speaking of the shirts, right there. I'm going to mute for a moment. Actually, I guess David's going to buy one. I can show you one real quick. Yeah, okay, they're cool. kind of hard to read, aren't they? Is there one laid out on the table there? No, this is the old one. This is from the virtual year right here. Uh, that was two years ago. Yeah, and if David's going to buy one, we can actually see him like hold it up and stuff. Yep. So There we go. That's what it looks like. Punch cars. That's the front side there. And then there's the back. Oh, that's almost a cocoa. Yeah, it looks so, like a yep. 20 or C64. Except it's not. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Maybe. So, yeah. and I just let everybody know I talked to Jason Timmons, and believe it or not, Jason does make uh, t shirts himself. So I oh. might be using him. Might be using him. Uh, he's like, I've been waiting for you guys to contact me here. So. <laughs> I'll be talking to him in probably about two or three weeks after this comes down for BCS. Yeah, let, so let me know what it looks what, like. 
I'll print, so it looks I'll like get, we we will looks like we will be having t-shirts this year. Good. Yeah, I'll, I'll put me in for one. Oh, I I just looked at the uh, the VCF um, uh, panels today, and there's something there's something interesting happening at 2200 hours. Um, Frank Palazzolo is demonstrating some new software, his Demon Debugger. He's the fine young gentleman that helped me dump the ROM inside this speech sound cartridge. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. He's a hardware genius is what he is. He's like the anti-me. Yeah, they, yeah they, do, <laughs> they do presentations until the we are is the night, so. Yeah, what is 2,200 hours? That is 10 o'clock, 10, 10 p.m. So everybody there should go see that. Say hi to my friend to, Frank. I'll do that. I'll, at 10 o'clock, I probably won't be doing anything. <laughs> Good. Tell him Tim said hi. I would definitely say, though, seriously, if anybody's been on the fence, definitely try to make plans to go next year. So, because this thing is getting bigger, and, it's getting bigger and bigger each time I've been here. So, has the date mind, been set three, next year? Uh, I'll ask Jason before I leave because, you know, we, the best one thing that we've done differently now is Cocoa Fest and BCF Ed West are kind of working together to, to uh, you know, advertise on both of our platforms. So, I will, I'll talk to Jason and I'll let you guys know as soon as I know. Yeah. Cause if it ends up being like a couple weeks later, I probably could make it. It's just not, not this early in September. I can't. Yeah. I think they usually do around the September 11th because it's cheaper for hotels because nobody yeah. wants to get married on September the 11th. That's my understanding. So <laughs> as much as I think I'm important enough for people to just shift their entire show for me, it just never works out that way. So. <laughs> if you had your wedding on September 11th, you could play, um, Bridge over troubled water. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, do you guys need? Time, do you guys need it, us to go through the uh, the showroom floor again? Or are you guys good? Uh, I think we we got a pretty good look at it. Though, if, if if more and more people show up and it gets even busier, I wouldn't mind seeing like just how big the crowd gets a little bit later on. If if, if you guys are up to it, it'd be great to see people that are actually looking at cocoa stuff. Yeah, we didn't see that because we kind of just breeze through. Well, and again, that's probably because, again, all of us were at lunch. So I think that's probably why. So, in fact, I'll make my way through there now. So, therefore, okay. you guys can well, so, just before see we hit the like. news stuff. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. This I is more interesting my news crap anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> and, Grant, when, it, when it's time, send me, um, you know, a text when you're ready to have me submit some ideas for the T-shirts. Yeah, we just got to come up with a theme for this next okay. fest. So, everybody you, think about a theme. All right. I probably want to try to get that figured out here in the next couple of weeks. So, so, and actually, here's the here's the star of the show right here, Jason Timmons. <laughs> Who am I talking to? Uh, Coco Talk. Hey, Coco Talk. Who's on the line? <laughs> uh, which of you aren't here? Yeah, there's some that are not here. They need to get their butts here, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jason. Coco Cluster is thriving. Yeah, Coco Cluster is thriving. Thanks again for your help this year. And David's yeah. saying hi to uh, Jim Brain. Jim Brain. His booth. I'm assuming Jim's not in the Coco Corner, correct? No, he's in the Commodore Quarter. So that's another reason to impeach him. <laughs> <laughs> you going to start that on Monday? Yeah, yeah we'll start the impeachment process on Monday. He just got reelected, by the way. <laughs> hey, there's Salvador. Hey, Salvador, you're on Coco Talk. Oh, hi. <laughs> Take care, Salvador. Hey, I need to talk to you later. By the way, don't. I need to talk to you later. 
Yeah, I'll be inside here. All right, cool. Look at all that commerce. <laughs> yeah, it's thinned out a little bit now since uh, I think everybody went to lunch now. So not nearly as crowded as it was beforehand. So here's the here's the cocoa corner. There are some people over here looking, it looks like. Yay. So and there's there's your there's your posters there, all of them on the wall for Cocoa Fest. So. Triple yay. <laughs> but yeah, we definitely got some people over here. This is uh, Malcolm's setup here. That was a Model One and another Model yep. One. Yep, and he's selling one for two hundred fifty bucks. So if anybody wants one, <clears throat> and, there, and there's the, some flyers here. Cocoa Fest. Cool. I've been seeing Alice on there. So. And there's Ken Waters. He should be doing the game on second segment right now, but he's not doing it. Because my phone's a piece of crap. <laughs> no, you're from Canada. You guys have bad phone service. No, just <laughs> I, I can vouch There's for Tony. Ken's crappy phone service from our drive down to Chicago last time. <laughs> yeah, it's Curtis. There's Tony No Baloney. Hey, <laughs> and there's uh, Snoopy there. Work hard at work on tearing up a computer, it looks like. <laughs> and I'm looking at Commodore products. Actually, for Sloopy's uh, booth there, you should get a Coco Cat to, like, push the Atari off the table. Ah, yeah. They, they want to get want to get a Coco Cat, so you push the uh, Atari off the table. <laughs> so. But, yeah, as you still see, it's still pretty busy in here. Show that beautiful 6809 goodness. <laughs> You're right, Curtis. They must have a killer Wi-Fi in here. I'm not struggling at all, am I? Well, no. it's not like super smooth 60 frame per second, but it's not dropping out to a slideshow. Okay, good. I'm impressed because considering the number of people there and how many people are probably on the Wi-Fi just for the show, never yeah. mind the rest of the hotel, that's pretty good. There's a lot of YouTubers here. Yeah, there's um, there's the 8-Bit uh, uh, Slicks, which is the 6502 network racing game, and there's people... I'm watching their <clears throat> Discord and it says they're having trouble connecting right now. Uh, oh, we're stealing all their bandwidth. Ah, oh, boohoo. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> have you seen any? Hey, by the way, just let you know, Curtis, I just bought my iPhone 14 this morning. <laughs> Are you getting the red one or the green one? I'm getting the black one. Oh, okay. I'm getting the. Uh, oh, were you being serious? I thought you were talking about those dial up phones. That was your iPhone. 14. No, no, no. I'm getting the. No, no, I'm serious. I just bought my iPhone 14 Pro Max this morning. So when you get lost, oh. you can actually use the satellite tracking now. Exactly. <laughs> I remember I hated Apple phones, and then you could turn me into one now. <laughs> I thought Curtis, it was going to take John Lurie to do it, but okay. Does this look familiar to you guys? Yeah. Yeah, that looks well, like it's a stolen out of a DeLorean or something. <sighs> Back to yeah. the future. Yep. yep, and they're playing the, uh, playing the... So. Playing the movie. Off of Laserdisc, probably. David Ladd is sneaking up on Ben Hack. <laughs> Somebody warn Ben, quick. <laughs> this is his calculator collection. The Weather Channel in Telestar. Oh, wow. Looks like snow on the screen. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Local authority has issued this. It direct community access. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I've been to this day now four years, and 
it was a lot of stuff I've never seen before. So it's definitely new blood coming into the show. Yeah, well, I mean, Taylor and Amy were with us last year after Coco Fest. We went to the warehouse that uh, Timmons has, you know, where they're storing all the stuff. And they didn't have everything there yet. But I asked her just kind of as a joke. I said, did they take everything out of the warehouse and bring it to the show? And she said, yeah, probably most of it's here. She didn't see it in Mattel Aquarius. That was the one thing she didn't see. Hey, that was um, yeah. didn't they have last year, didn't they have the Apollo um, computer? Was that last year? I wonder if they had it this year. They had that at BCF West uh, oh. a year ago and two years ago. Oh okay. yeah, the one in California, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go, some Max for sale. Seven hundred dollars for a uh, Quadra. Uh, Quadra. I mean, Max servers seven fifty or something. Maybe like the servers or yeah. workstations. Sixty-eight oh forty. Goodness. Yeah. I found a, a computer for Stevie. Right here. There's some Japanese. There you go. <laughs> So is Stevie at the show? No, no he uh, canceled because of COVID. He caught it because of COVID. He was quite sick. He got a sinus infection at the same time, so he was in really rough shape for a bit. There. He's uh, getting better that. now. He was hoping That's to be good. on the show today, so I'm so kind of hoping he'd drop by. Fell through. There's Ken has getting anyone, interviewed by some slacker. Has anyone there had any problems? By the way, Ken, Ken needs to get a haircut. They don't have. Uh, I guess they don't have barbers up in Canada. Just in the northwest part that I'm in. <laughs> because Curtis doesn't have a haircut, haircut. You don't get a haircut. <laughs> well, we got to grow our hair long because we can't grow beards. <laughs> I thought this was kind of cool. Silicon graphics. graphics. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, which one is that? Oxygen? Or I can't tell. The purple one. They're all purple. Tezro. 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 Ooh, that that one I haven't seen before. That one's neat. No, nope, I haven't either. <laughs> So you guys seeing a lot of people coming by the Coco, Coco uh, corner there and asking questions or, yeah, or about yeah, the same I as said, everywhere else? I said we've got more and also uh, a lot of people are taking the uh, Coco flyers with them. To the Coco oh, flyers. good. Maybe we'll get some extra attendance in the next show then. That would be good. awesome yeah, if that works. Yeah, we printed off a uh, hundred and some odd and uh, I've probably given out myself probably a good 30 of them myself and I don't know how much Jim Brain's given out. So I'm hoping Hopefully we'll you guys don't run out because the show's all day tomorrow too, right? Yep, that's correct. What do the flyers look like? Uh, let me find one here real quick for you. Yeah, Grant B., the person who does the um, newsletter, he produced it for me. Is he at the show? I thought I saw him earlier. No, he is not. Hey, oh, okay. there's John. Hey. <laughs> so here we go. We're definitely going to have to get a... Uh, a big banner though next year so we hang it up against the wall here i think it would look good yeah yeah i agree so this is what the this is what the like here that's good looks good and then flip it over Great. to the other side and then you got then you got the hotel information here oh cool we didn't see the other yeah. side before so yeah so Great. it's got every, all the details and everything like that so so like that's i said nice. i think really making a partnership with bcf midwest is really helping us out so you did a nice job. Hopefully we can help them out too. Yeah, I think we will. 
Well, we are. We've got a dozen cocoa people there already. So maybe we can take credit for the size of this, uh, your show. Yeah, (laughs) obviously it's all because of us. (laughs) (laughs) And I did, I did approach uh, and ask uh, Amy and uh, Taylor and they are going to advertise Cocoa Fest on their channel as well too. So So hopefully we will. Did they have their own booth? I forgot to ask them. No, they did not get a booth this year. This is the first time they've ever been to this show. So they're just kind of checking out it first, scoping it. Yeah. That's what they did with our show too. Ken and I just kind of donated half our table. So, Grant, do you have a PDF of that flyer? I yeah, I do actually. I think I can send it to you when I get back home. Okay, good. So, was there anything in particular you guys want to look at? This it's actually slowed down quite a bit. So, um, I think a lot of people went out to lunch. So, there's something you guys really wanted to see. Now's the time to probably for me to show it to you. Any gimmicks is there running? Any what? Gimmicks is the six eight or nine business computer that was sold. They had one in their warehouse, which is why I was asking because I did see one there. I, I do think I have no, I don't think I've seen that. How about this? How about we ask you to find the strangest thing with a 6809 in it, <laughs> like a super oh, pet? There's something that's uh kind of cool. Look at this big uh keyboard. This is a that's huge it. keyboard. Just to give you an idea. This is my hand. That's a big keyboard. That's something I I, type on. I I hate to see what kind of a laptop size that has to fit in. This is a space bar. Yeah, that's a space bar. That's Jesus Eric, by the way. Oh, yeah, I just recognized him, yeah. Yeah. He's a a regular now at Cocoa Fest with us. Yep. He's a supplier of hard liquor. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's (laughs) like you because you're the hard liquor supplier for Cocoa Fest. So. Hey, David. David seems to be sitting down having a break here. <laughs> You're muted, David. Hey, do they still have yes. a, a free uh, table? Yeah, you can go back over there. Yeah, see we'll see if it's grown any. So are things going on your end, David, while Grant wanders over to the free table? Um, well, it's going. <laughs> You're getting exhausted he's, already? He's said exhausted. Is somebody hanging with your brother, David? Um, well, I'm hoping a VA representative. Okay. So, uh, David, when, when did you get in? You got in last night, I believe? No, I got in at 1.47 p.m. yesterday afternoon. Oh, okay. Grant said he wanted me here at 1 o'clock, so I had to set my alarm at 4.40 in the morning. I left at 5.15 a.m. So the reason you're tired, we can blame completely on Grant. Well, he wanted to go see the new venue, so don't don't blame me. <laughs> Grant, I had to, you're the I one had to go over there to be here at one. <laughs> I had to, I had to go over there to take the measurements and get ready for the table layout. So for the new venue, so so yeah, it looks like the free table has grown a little bit. But what about the stuff yeah. on it? Power auto switches, new in a box. Anybody needing those? <laughs> Lots of books now. And as you can hear, Jason is making a transaction. <laughs> so if anybody wants me to take anything, make sure you speak What's up that, now. What was that black box? This here? Yeah. It's a Cisco system. Set top box? Probably probably a cable modem or a oh, it looks like a DSL switch. modem. 
router? No, it's a router. Yeah. Yeah. Four plus one. Yeah, it's probably. There's that leapfrog for uh, Stevie, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Does he collect leapfrogs? Oh. I know that. Yeah, so, this, so this will grow and then, and then get smaller and then grow again. And <laughs> yeah, and well, I imagine some again. of the vendors, if they brought some stuff they don't want to take back, they just dump it off there on the last day, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sunday afternoon, it'll uh, it'll it'll be a bun bunch you of know good what? stuff. I, I don't know if this is actually going to work. I've been looking for a DVD player. Score. Software. So there's more than one table, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a whole there's row a whole here, it looks like. Whole corner of stuff, you know. So. Oh, so here you go. Anybody, Dreamweaver. Anybody need, a, anybody need a TV? CRT? RCA? 28 inches. <laughs> the size matters. I can see you <laughs> sitting in the plane with it on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> It's my support TV. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring this on its carry-on, right? <laughs> there you go. Anybody need some, uh, want some uh, Mac stuff? This guy here is selling it. He's even got the sign up around his neck here. And I've seen you walk around several times. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's a oscilloscope. So if anybody wants it, let me know. I'll, I'll pick it up. Yeah, yeah he's got some good stuff. Does he have the Lisa for sixteen thousand? Do what? One more piece as well, but it's in pretty good It does work though. Okay. Like turns on, boots to Mac OS. This program's on there. Mouse and keyboard. Cool. This looks kind of sketchy. Is he supposed to be there? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So Grant Buck Owens has a question and a comment for you. Yeah, what's we, the question? The question is: Is there free coffee? <laughs> ah, no. They don't have free coffee at this venue. Okay. And then you his comment is, that carpet always made me think I was tripping over cables. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> never never thought of it that way before. But yeah, it's true. Do you have a nickel for the payphone? Do I have a nickel for what? For the payphone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, actually. Everybody, here's, here's a whole bunch of people here playing, uh, I think it's Doom, right? Everybody's playing. Or Quake, maybe, or something? Doom. Uh, that's, like, that's way too graphically advanced for. Oh, that's Doom, playing Doom on SGI machines. Look at that. Oh, is it? Yeah, so they got a whole bunch right, of yeah. people over here playing it. Oh, the original Doom. That's the way to play it on a on a six thousand dollar box, brand new, yeah. at least. <laughs> So everything has a price, huh? Except yep, for that whole free table row. Yeah. Telephones. And I will, that's another thing I will say too. I think a lot. Oh, of to stuff, your left, that Mac. What's it? What's it showing? Mac Film Library. Oh. Oh. Okay. Looks like a hypercard stack. Oh, I had one of those. <laughs> I had one of those. I, I don't see any aquarium there. Hey, now. 
but as, as I've already said, one thing I would definitely say that I have noticed is the prices of all the retro computers are definitely going a lot higher. So it's not just the cocoa prices going up. It's, it's you know, everybody. the old Max hits everybody. Yeah. And it makes sense with, these, with this show expanding and getting bigger, people are getting more interested in it. I think that's why. So, yeah. You can't buy a used Mac for less than 400 bucks now. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd kept all the ones I used to have. I could have could have brought them to the show. You could have yeah. uh, could have retired early. I had a five twelve k classic, a classic two. I had one like that, and, one an SC. and the floppy was stuck in it. There you go. Here's a Macintosh SC slash thirty, one hundred percent recap, uh, SCSI, six hundred dollars for this thing right here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I should have kept them because I gave mine away. Tempting. An SC30 is a wonderful machine. If you want it, send me the money PayPal and I'll pick it up for you. Those are black and white, correct? Correct. Uh, yeah, monochrome. $600 for one color. Two. Right? <laughs> 300 per color. <laughs> <laughs> black and white is not a color. Oh, sure. It's, a, it's either all the colors or none of the colors. Yeah, white yeah. is all the colors and black is none. Yeah, and I have five thumbs on my hand. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's see your feet. <laughs> no wonder you keep beating AJ in all the games. <laughs> uh, it all has to do with the BAC. Yeah. Yeah. Meatloaf. Do you have Microsoft Flight Simulator running somewhere? No, I have not seen that. Yeah, also, Adrian Black has been running around here, too, for those that know Adrian's digital basement. Excellent YouTube channel. Highly recommended. Yeah, that one I have. I do try to watch. Don't always have time to catch every Any Unix machines running over there? All this yeah, SCI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is amazing here. That looks like PC corner. Atari corner. Oh man. Every time there's I a, there's see, a Coco in there, isn't there? Coco in there. Coco three. Yeah. Okay, three. Keyboard anyway. Why does it have painters tape on it? Okay. I imagine they don't have they probably don't have the screws in it. Three hundred dollars oh. with expanded RAM. Is that a, a like a five twelve K or two meg or what? Well, that's actually not, not bad, know. depending on how much RAM is in. Make sure it's not a two with a three keyboard. It's a three. No, it says one twenty K Coco three, so it's actual yeah. Coco three. Yeah, it's so. got a three badge. It's got a gray door. It's got yeah, blue the, tape. The plain, plain, painters tape, tape, tape together. How much? Uh, must be missing for? screws. I bet it's five hundred twelve. I bet that's why he needs my expanded RAM. I bet. Well, you could look out, look in the grill. Look to the grill. Wow! Just don't drop it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to buy you it. Drop it, you buy it. Yep, there's a Tandy upgrade. Yep. Wow. Yep, a Tandy one. Yeah, official Tandy 512K. You wow. can heat your house in the winter with that one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. That makes the price that makes the price even better. Yeah, because honestly, almost everybody I know here that got 512K back in the day did not buy it from Tandy because they were too oh. expensive. There's some <laughs> so sunboxes. So if you want to buy Curtis, this I have. home computer. This cabinet here, it's two thousand dollars. Ooh. Sorry, what was that, wow. David? 
I was going to say, I, one of the Coco 3s I upgraded, um, I replaced it, the Tandy 512K with uh, Richard's 2 meg. Yeah. Two different Tandy 512Ks with different AAX numbers. I've got both of them. Yeah, and I got one of them. And, and it runs hot. And the second one's a little better in terms of heat. Okay, okay, guys. Just to give everybody a, a little bit here. We don't need to worry about impeaching uh, Jeb Brain for Coco because he does have a oh. Coco fade up here. Oh, there we go. He's <laughs> redeemed himself. Yeah, he's redeemed himself. <laughs> now he needs to put OS9 on. Look at that SX64. My favorite Commodore. No, go back to the green screen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I actually own an SX like that, so it's my favorite Commodore. He sold some is it, stuff. Is it color, Mark? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a Commodore 64 in a metal box. It's got a five-inch monitor. How about this one here? Yeah. That yeah that one there. That, that's the one that Franklin Harris brought to uh, Boat Fest. Yeah. yeah, some people have replaced the monitor with LCD because it's it's a chunky 30 pounds, but it's got a Commodore 64. It's got a single drive and the keyboard, and that's a little carry bag on the top you put your stuff in. Yeah, do you know it's not wood grain like uh, Frank Swigert's old Coco system used to be. Nope. It's portable. It's battleship gray. <laughs> that machine there is for young people that can read tiny letters. Exactly, five-inch screen. <laughs> it has an external port. You can plug it into something too. You could also use the Max Hedron magnifiers. There you go. So, yeah. Here's the floppy Brazil. day podcast area here. Oh, is is Kindig there? Or? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Say hi to him for on behalf and thank him once again for being our guest there a while back. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely. I keep on missing them. <laughs> Is Look that a Timex Sinclair down there? You know, I have not seen one. <laughs> that looks like a Spectrum. Or, yeah, it's a Specky, I think. Oh, okay. And Atari stickers. stickers. If you run across stickers. a Timex Sinclair, um, wiggle the power cable, see what happens. <laughs> We're not here to make any. It's the Ram Pack. You wriggle the Ram Pack. And just yeah. remember, Ron's offering to pay for it. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that a wow, super pet? There's a Is that a super pet? No. Yeah. Does it have a 6809 in it? No, no it doesn't. It's a 2001. It's a yeah, the real keyboard, shell. the upgraded one. Yeah. But, but yeah. it's yeah. very, very clean. I don't think I've ever Unless seen one this clean before. 2001. It's an empty shell. 2001, a, a pet odyssey. Proper modem? Yeah, had a modem on it. I'll be here all week, people. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the threats, Tim. <laughs> Looks like a Vic. It's like the C64 2. What's the silver one? Ooh. This one here? Yeah. Commodore Max. Max. Oh, oh, okay. Anything, right? Yeah, that one's that's got a crappy keyboard. It's not the uh, not like these here. It's a flat yeah. brain. It's a Commodore yeah. Four. Yeah, it had like <laughs> RAM, so you could run cartridges, but that's about it, right? Is that yeah, yeah. Reminds yeah, me of an really Odyssey a, Two, actually. Kind of. It's a video game console with uh, a few extras. <laughs> oh, that's one of those new done cases. The Commodore people they found the original molds for the yeah. Commodore Twos, and they did a run. You could get red, blue, different mm -hmm. colors. Who wants yeah. a moldy old case in your house? Mark, where's our mold, man? Mark, where's our mold? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see. Is he, is he in the chat today? I didn't. I didn't. I haven't been checking the chat. Oh, wow. a little. 
Is any of those um, old machines running any video? There have been a couple. Have there? Yeah. There's Ken again. YouTube celebrity Ken. He's out looking for a phone that can handle the Wi-Fi. I wonder if Ken's... Oh, Ralph there behind the Odyssey and, and actually one of the very first video game systems ever, the original Odyssey that we saw at the uh, warehouse. And his, yeah, it looks like a reproduction brown box there. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The original wood grain wrapped computer. Yep. Those wonky controllers that came with. Robots. Yeah, Topo. Topo? Yeah, Topo. Atari. Basically, uh, what's his name from Atari? Um, what did Topo stand for? Uh, I don't recall offhand. Man the Box Odysseys. Uh, again, there's a lot of stuff I have never seen before. Always something new to surprise me. Like a glowing egg. There's, there's some people here playing some pong. You play that for a while on a TV like that, and then you turn it off, and there's still a line there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the controllers, and those were so weird compared to what we eventually all kind of settled on because that's pre joystick. <laughs> Right, a twist knob and a keypad. How did that make sense? Was that a multi-pack on top of that TV there? This here? Yeah, it's like a television or something? something it's a television is what it is. Some sort of pack for that. For the television. Looks like an ADM 3A terminal on the left there. He <laughs> had a bunch of those at work. Yep. All hooked up to the Coco, of course. <laughs> that looks like the one that uh, Stevie got from that guy. They have 6809 in it. Only it was dark. Sharp. Like a sharp What's that? Oh, no. No. Sharp, it's set sharp. X68000. Oh, 68K machine. Cool. Never have heard of it. Okay, guys, I'm going to get off of uh, Zoom for now. Hopefully, you guys have fun watching what's left. What's that one? Well, thanks for popping on, David. That'd be having a good time. Hopefully, you'll, you should get some Duck Dr. Pepper with extra caffeine. Oh, I'm hoping for some rum with my Dr. Pepper later. <laughs> this, is a, this is a Panasonic A1 personal computer, FSA1. Never seen that one either. Is that an MS MSX? Yeah, MSX right next What's to it. What's an MSX one? Okay. Yeah. It's a Japanese one. Yeah, yep, you're right. It's all, that makes sense. Cool. There's our canalis. Not you guys supporting the Coco. Oh, kick him then. <laughs> yeah. 
Look at all these Coco losers over here sitting on their doofs. <laughs> yeah, you should be up there upselling. Come on. Yeah, get out there and mingle. <laughs> so, you know what? I haven't, I really haven't shown you guys what's out here yet. So I'll start by one end of the hallway and then I'll go to the other end. That would be pretty much it. So, yeah, it's okay. dying off. Everybody's, everybody's gone to lunch. So, this is a good time. This, this was completely elbow to elbow a while ago. Yeah, it does so look like it died down from when uh, Taylor and Amy took us through at the beginning there. So everything this out is, here is for sale. So, well, this is a timey hey. steel stuff. Yeah, Macintosh Quadra nine fifty eight hundred oh, bucks. Sixty-eight thousand and forty system. Tim, that was the thirty-three maker model. The nine hundred was the twenty-five, right? Oops, sorry, sounds about sorry. right. <laughs> so again, if anybody wants anything, let me know, and I'll be more happy to pick it up. Ooh, more Sun Unix boxes. Yep. yep. That's the one right there. That's on the free table? No, no, no. no. This stuff no. right here is for, this stuff is this is the actual <laughs> super sell stuff. Okay. Apple stickers. Well, if Grant grabs it and runs real quick, it might be free. Hey, I can't run that fast. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Mac 128K logic board. Actually looks in pretty decent shape from first glance. Cobalt, whatever cube three. Seventy five dollars we watch with that. I think that's SGI, I think. Yeah. It's a workstation view. Double-fisted oh. mugs. Yeah. It's there, uh, Tim, you need that for your show. Yeah, we do. Right next yeah, to the coconut. If you're coconuts. done playing a game, you shake it. That'd be good. Tandem. Tandem. Not Tandy. Tandy. Hmm. You know, Tim, I saw two of those double-fisted mugs there, and there's two of you on your show. That yeah. might be a match made in heaven there. Might be. One thing I want to ask you, Grant, from, from from you people walking around, just kind of showing the show there, it does look like there's a fair bit of people that are younger than these machines, like not the, just kids, but also yeah. like younger 20, 30-year-olds. Is that what you're seeing too? I would definitely say that definitely is the case. So, yeah, a lot of younger people here. Is that the Lisa for sale for $16,000? Uh, it's a Lisa, yeah. It definitely is a Lisa, but I don't see a price on it. Yep, it is $16,000. you are right. That's it's got it. the original Twiggy drive, so it's the five and a quarter that are double, double actuators. There you go. Get your get your uh, Apple Pay and get that thing for sixteen grand. Why don't you go ahead and pick <laughs> that up for me? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. you can send me some PayPal money first. <laughs> no, he's good for it. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's an Apple two two C here. Boy, oh, look at the pink job on that's that. That's shiny. Yeah. No, that's a two E. So two E. Okay. <laughs> Boy, yeah, it's got black keyboard though. Cool. How, do you, how do you get it so shiny? What do you got to do? So somebody makes those clear cases. So I say there's got a drive two case. I don't know. Maybe it's painted. Oh, clear right here's an Apple two. Here's an Apple two E clear keyboard. Mac effects. Yeah. Yep. I see the clear cases. Oh. You know what? It's an empty box. Don't go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Rainbow yeah. cables. Probably got the shoe guard in it. Finally, an Apple two I can take to prison. <laughs> hey what's that monitor there is that a tandy that's a tandy no there's no no there's no tandies up here no nope. go ahead that monitor there's vectrix yeah monitor to the left yeah that monitor is a tandy isn't it no, no. no. so 
It's like, oh. yeah, it's another gorilla. brand X. Yeah, gorilla. <laughs> no, it's a gorilla monitor. I remember those. Okay. And a Vectrix, another 6809 based oh, system. Yeah, oh, finally. three of them. Look at that. Look at those lovely Vectrixes. Oh, I still want to see a 6309 game for a Vectrix made. All right. Now, yeah, in all these, are, these are going for $499. So, hey, pal, man, I'll pick one up for you. $499, you say? Yeah, $499. How much for the multi cart? Yeah, it's got multi, got all the games on it and everything down there. That is super tempting. More than one Vectrix. All right. Maybe you'll get somebody to buy one. I'm live on the show right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Lovely, <laughs> lovely display of software there. Oh, man. I am. Have a nope. gin and tonic and you'll be ready to buy it in about 10 minutes. Here. <laughs> a couple Timmy tonics and I'll uh, buy all three. <laughs> Here's a dragon. Yay. Oh, look at that. They're Dragon 32, too, not the 64 that was sold in North yeah. America. How much do they want for that? Uh, let me see. Oh, there's original Pet, too, with the cassette. 199 $199? That's not too bad, because that's, that's an import. Price. That's a good yeah. price. And includes the, uh, oh, no, I guess just the Amstrad includes the converter. And the MSX. Yeah, I got to play, uh, Tim. I finally got to play Vectrix a little bit at uh, BoatFest, because Aaron got his fixed by Frank. Oh, cool. Is it as awesome as I think it is? Oh, of course. Oh, man. One of these days. Texas Instruments here. What's that computer on the floor to the left? This one here? Yeah. It's so sad. It's an Apple <laughs> computer. Is it's that a Lisa? It's what it says. To Lisa. It looks like it is. Yeah, it looks like a Lisa. Not, right yeah, size. Not, it's only part of a Lisa, shape. so it's a Lee. Lisa's pretty. <laughs> no, it's a saw. <laughs> it, it might be a little bit less than 16,000, too. So <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, people are starting to. 8,000. Now people must be coming back from lunch and starting to get packed again. <laughs> Where are you? Like the door. It's actually Yeah, it does look like it's getting busier again. And we're box. I'm still trying to gather my yeah, $499. <laughs> I'll, I'll give like you my PayPal account and I'll pick it up. I'll be happy to slip it to you where you need to do. <laughs> Quick, trade in all the pop bottles, Tim. Here's something. I don't. David Ladd would be going crazy right about now. Oh, wow. Age floppy drive. And it moves. Yes, it's actually moving. What's it connected to? I do not know what it's connected to. $35. Handy. $40 for that one. Seamans. <laughs> Yo ho ho, and a bottle of rum. <laughs> are those Kim One? Oh, those are Kim Ones. Go back to the Kim Ones. I'm actually a fan of those. Uh, this these here. Yeah, that's one of the really old kit computers. Yeah, I think that's a Kim one. No, no, no. Emma, Emma is what they called Emma two. Mm, Emma two, another and training Visa, computer. And a Visa two is what that one over there is. Oh, they still look cool. They probably have sixty five oh twos on them. Emma probably. Microprocessor is Z eighty. Six five oh two. Six five oh two. Yeah, Yep, Rockwell. Uh, I'm sorry, it's right. not plan appropriate. 
<laughs> Windows 98 machines, e-machines. You guys remember those pieces of crap? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, show us the one that says it's never obsolete. Right. <laughs> remember that yeah. one? That was the e-machine, wasn't it? Yeah. See that one right there? That laptop is what I got on right here, and now the one next to it, the white with white on it. Ooh. I have one just like that running here, um, Windows 95. Adele? Then, uh, Windows XP, I should say. I love Adele. She's yeah. a great singer. Here's, Adele. <laughs> Here's a Instagram, bunch of games. Probably find any game you want. A lot of games. <laughs> PC, right? Yeah. Wisconsin Computer Club here. Sign me up. Wisconsin Computer Club. A lot of swag. Hey, here's another computer for Stevie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, look, at that, look, at this look at this mouse. This is a mouse. <laughs> that is amazing. Somebody needs to have Mr. Dave check that out. <laughs> That's cool. That, that almost really looks cool. like one of his keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> it can check. I guess that's a clock radio. Clock radio. That's the kind you beat when you wake up. Canadian retro things have to pick up one of those because then he has one named after himself. Yeah, we'll we'll just pass yeah, over that Genesis. Go. That's nothing. Macintosh Classic here with flying toasters. I, I see an LC. <laughs> Cute little LC. That's cool. More sun boxes. And more boxed software. More boxed softwares. And so you, you don't see a lot of Tandy 1000s under tables and stuff or anything? No, no, I do not. Have, I'm not I've seen some Tandy 4825s, but I've not seen Tandy 1000s. No. Tandy 4000s, I did see that, and that's at uh, uh, Malcolm's table. Hmm. And actually, I think those are going up to Canada to uh, Neil, is what he told me. So you, you didn't see any. Um, well, you saw a couple of Model Ones, but no threes or fours, huh? Nope, nope, I did not. Those will be at Candy Assembly. So, and I know, I think John says he's going to try to go to that. So, yeah, and I, I know Jim Brain will be there. So we'll see what's at Candy Assembly. So. And pretty H machine. Is that printer printing a product or what? Do what? Uh, that, no, no, printer. Wow, uh, that's one printer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's one big printer. Try to pick it up once. What kind of keyboard is that? This here, the keyboard is a Yamaha. Okay. I might have to come back and look at that. Pretty cool. What, on your own free time? Come on. Yeah, yeah, I might have to come <laughs> back here at this table. Yeah, do you, do you see anyone printing out anything on a 3D? 
I have not seen that. Ben Heck had a 3D printer. Yeah, I might have to go back over. It's usually a big crowd over there, so it's hard to get over to see it. Yeah, popular guy. Yeah, very, very popular. That's kind of cool. I don't know what that is, but... I'm a fan from way back. A lot of old uh, VHS and cameras here. Prosumer. Yeah, David Retro Labs, Video Labs, Dave's YouTube guy. Retro Lab. Huh? Oh, cool. Thank you. All right, cool. There you go, guys. YouTube channel and everything. Ooh, show We're us the QR code right in now, the back. So. <laughs> no problem. And there's a QR code. So, cool. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of video video cameras there. Cool. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Retro PC style. Windows mini Windows 8 computer. That's a cube. Yeah, I might have to put my name on that for that. Must be present to win. Yeah, he'll draw it tonight at 5 p.m. Oh, I like that Retro Inside sticker. You want to spell my last name out for you? <laughs> Remember to turn off your computer before midnight. Best Buy. <laughs> Y2K. That was a wonderful time. Yeah. Bob Capture. That's cool. Evil Corporations. Good guys. I don't know what this is. Collection of stickers from PCs. That's cool. Yeah, I, think then, so. I think they sell these. Just before they recycle the machine. All the AMDs, part ones, more AMDs. But yeah, so if you want to order them right there at the website, BCFM Midwest Geek. Wow. All the NVIDIA stickers. And this is the old school, old school gamers magazine. So I do subscribe to this. So fifty dollars a year is now for six issues. It used to be thirty, so they went up a little bit in price. But it's a great magazine, though. Seriously, for the uh, they have a lot of old video games and stuff like that. So I can vouch the, being in the industry that paper prices have shot up like crazy the last year. So yeah, I can. It see used to be thirty dollars, now it's fifty dollars. But it's a great magazine with great. Articles. It's professional. I mean, it's a professional magazine. So, do they do they cover any Coco stuff at all? Or I have not seen Coco. This is more like uh, Nintendo, like more gaming machine versus home computer type thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and they do have a free digital subscription, so you sign up for it there. But uh, I do have this. Uh, Alan Huffman. Uh, he told. I think he said something about that several years ago on uh, Coco Talk, and and. Um, I subscribed from it since then. Used to be on a, a Patreon. That's how they did it. So and this is the sign up sign up table here, and then we don't know what sign this up is. for what. Uh, this is where you sign up to get your get your uh, badges and stuff. So uh, oh, all self service. So, uh, we yeah, don't need no stinking badges. Yeah. <laughs> try and dialogue. Uh, Go ahead. Try. Red phone. Yeah, if you have a problem, you phone the president or something, I think. 
Ron, that was like yeah. screen perfect. ACF BF seventeen <laughs> phone directory dial zero for the operator. <laughs> <laughs> it's a direct line and, to Laws. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the last. This is the last table here, so I don't know what this is. This is. I bet you're sad you didn't bring new at Kmart. <laughs> new at Kmart. <laughs> new at Kmart. Out to lunch. So I guess they're selling some of this stuff here. Ah, here we go. Candy. 1400 or 600? 600, maybe. 1400 FT. 1400 FT. 14, yeah. I win. What else you got there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a two. A Macintosh two. Oh, that's beautiful. That's the first color Mac, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, first color? new bus machine. Oh my God. They have ASICs in there for all the ancillary. Nice. I mean, People I own those. Oh, look, a toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those that worked too, except mine was Bondi Blue. All right. And that this is the last table. So, all right. That is it. So, we okay, have made some. the whole round. So, it looks like a great show. I Definitely, I yeah, think definitely. most of us are wishing we could be there. This is actually perfect timing. Because ah, look at that! Here we go! Look at this! Oh, advertisement! Oh. Advertisement for the fest! Oh, it just it just changed. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we got a little bit of it. Yeah, <laughs> changed to Jim's ad, so that's okay. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think I'll come back here, so I'll, I'll stay here and see what else they had. So, but yeah, so yeah, so this is being so. Basically, as soon as you come in through the front door, that's the front door right there to come in. So I think we'll show up here again in a second. But yeah, cool. I, I didn't catch that. So this is the schedule of speakers here. Yeah, I would have liked to see uh, Salam Ismail speak. I do believe they are streaming these, so I will. I have to. I'll verify that, but I do believe they are recording. I do believe they stream these out. So, well, so hopefully. ten o'clock Central Time. There it is. There, there we go. There it is. There it is. So, thirty first. Thirty first. Yeah. So it's like we're actually being in there. A couple. That's pretty times, prominent. So. That's good. Yeah. So definitely, like I said, BCF Midwest is definitely helping us. So we are definitely getting a lot of uh, uh, advertising. So hopefully they'll be good. So just sneak oh, in there, Grant, and, and change this place. It only shows us. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Hack so, that thing, yeah. man. Hack yeah, it. Yeah, so they have us on. They, they, they have been advertising us on the, uh, on the TV. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, when I came in, that's awesome. So, all right, cool. Anybody else have any questions before I uh, drop off before my phone dies? <laughs> I'm down to forty-two percent. Yes, yes, Salvador. So, any questions or anything? Uh, no, just keep us posted how well the Coco Corner is doing at some point in the yeah, uh, Discord Jason, or something. Jason, Jason can tell you he's been pretty busy for the Coco over in the Coco Corner. Yeah, things have been busy, and things have been busy in Coco Corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sales are good. Yeah, Jason's made quite a few sales, have you not? Yeah. The MT10 is holding it all up. Sold out of switch roots. <laughs> but how but how's baby doing? How's baby doing? Huh? <laughs> baby. Oh, baby in the corner. Baby in the corner. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Limited quantities, almost sold out of those too. Yeah, almost wow. sold out of the uh 
uh, Robot Nightmare. <laughs> I got Wait a minute. I just made a connection. Are you streaming? Oh. <laughs> just recording? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's recording. Let's pick up Jason. <laughs> so, all right, cool guys. I'm gonna drop off. If there's no other questions, so. Hey, right, sounds good. Guys, thanks, thanks a- for the grand tour. Enjoy the show. Right, no problem. You guys have a good rest of the show, guys. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye, guys. Cool. Yeah, I kind of wish I was there. Just to watch Tim, all. you know, drool over all the old Macs. <laughs> And the Vectrex. Uh, yeah, the Vectrex. Yeah, that was fun because I I hadn't touched one of those since they were first out when Zellers had them here. Oh, they, they had a Canada. display where you played it? Yeah, back in the, the old Zellers and Bay stores. I didn't learn about the Vectrex till probably 20, 2004. Oh, okay. No, I remember it, it was a brief light. Like it wasn't very popular for very long in 83 or 82, whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, Aaron brought his and it wasn't working and Frank went and fixed it up. Uh, so we actually got to play it. Is there a YouTube video I can watch that being fixed? <laughs> I don't know if they recorded that or not. They did record Aaron first turning it back on after Frank fixed it to show it was working. That's on their Amigos channel. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they filmed Frank repairing because Frank was repairing Amigas and it's STs and Cocos and all kinds of stuff there. So, so Mark, do you want to do a commercial before you go in the news? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about the game on challenge? When is that going to happen? Next week. Um, oh, because it's the double barrel one. This is the one because everybody that hosts the show is gone, so they're going to do a two games I'm at sorry. once, like as you know, and then it's a I will double do better, episode next week. I will do better keeping up. I'm going to have my own commercial. Okay, here we go. You are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a candy-colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original colored computer, the Coco 3, and the world-renowned exclusive French Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Boat and Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Brian Walsh, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant B., Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Reichert, Malfunk, Melly, Michael Pitsley, Mike Rayburn, OG Hugo, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulen, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? Watermelon says, My name is Steve and I like PC. The reason I'm here is for new updates on Coco. Max Giver says, 
Hello everyone, my name is Max Jackson. I've been a Coco nut since about 1982 when I got my first Coco 2, which I still have, and used it until it was replaced by a Coco 3, which I also still have. I enjoy playing games on the Coco, but mostly I enjoy programming. I found out about the Discord channel listening to Coco talk. I am hoping to connect with like-minded folks, and further my knowledge of assembly language programming. Cap Video says. Jerry Stratton here. I play a lot of games typed in from Rainbow Magazine and books. And write tools to help me type in games from Rainbow Magazine and books. I've been to the last two Coco Fests, so may have met some of you there. Also the Tandy Assembly a few years ago that was near Thanksgiving, because that put me in the area at the right time. I used to use a Coco 3 back in the day, with OS 9. Nowadays I focus on the Coco 2 to get the full historical experience. Grandaldian says. Hi I'm Grandaldian. Looking for information on the TRS-80 Model 1. Is that PNP really supposed to get that hot? Where does this bit of hose go? I'm a Tandy noob. It's the Japanese one. Homer KM says, My name is Keith and I am from Ohio. I have a Coco 3, 128 megabytes computer and a MM1. I would like to get answers to my dumb questions. The previous bios were edited for time, thanks to, Grandaldian, Boys in Tech, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Nightbeard, Glenside Computer Club and the Coco Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.cocotalk.live. See y'all on Discord! It's now Septandy, and the hottest game this video is talking about is... Robot Nightmare. Robot Nightmare. What new accolades are being shown upon... Robot Nightmare. Robot Nightmare. Celebrate Septandy by getting your copy of... Robot Nightmare. Robot Nightmare. Get it today at kenscococorner.itch.io. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El And now a Muppet News Flash. Okay, so you guys get to choose this week. Do you want Game On News first or do you want regular news first? It's all game news. On. It's all news. <laughs> okay, so that's not an answer. So who has an actual answer? <laughs> Whoever game picks on. first. Nick, game Nick on? said game on. Okay. That will be what we do then. Bring that up. Okay. You guys seen that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Nice. So those. Sorry. Nice. It looks like an 80s computer store. That's exactly what it's intended to be. <laughs> Excellent. Got it in one. Yeah. So this is Neil from uh, formerly Retro Man Cave, now just called RMC. So he's actually affiliated somewhat with the Amigos. Uh, in fact, Boat used to help co-host a show that he's, that uh, Neil still does with a couple other people, including an Australian, uh, that covers retro topics in general. So he's actually got the Retro Man Cave Museum, and uh, he's been gradually building this over the last couple of years. And he's got like hardware displays and software displays and a ton of other things here. So this one, he decided to do a kind of a special episode of his video podcast on YouTube of the weird and wonderful world of 80s British video game shopping. 
Um, so he goes through a lot of the, you know, the heavy hitters like the Amstrads and the Spectrums and stuff that's more popular, but he decided to go through the stuff that, you know, was a little bit less popular at the time, which I will take a little bit of an issue with because we have actually discovered some uh, sales figures for the Dragon 32 in particular that for a period in 1983, the second half of the year, they were actually always in the top four or five out of all the computers that were being sold in Britain at the time. So it had a brief bursting flame of being one of the most popular ones. It was, you know, bouncing between second and third most of the time. And beating out some of the you know the big ones, but it it, it tra- trailed off in '84, and the Dragon 64 didn't really take off because, of course, Dragon Data ended up having to sell off to Eurohard in, in Spain. But I thought I'd play this little clip here where he kind of goes through a little bit of the Dragon stuff, and uh, see what you guys think. Taking up a chunk of space on the top here is MicroDeal. Now you'd be very thankful for MicroDeal if you are a Dragon 32 owner because very few people catered for that system. But we've got a good selection here, although they're mostly arcade knockoffs again. So we've got things like Caterpillar Attack, very much like a, a Millipede or Centipede game. Mr. Dig here, Dig Dug ripoff. Uh, Cuthbert in space. So Cuthbert Actually, became the mascot for Microdeal. You see him pop up in quite a few places. The King, a uh, Donkey Kong clone. Defense, a Defender clone. Galaxian, um, <laughs> a Galaxian clone. It goes on and on. So. Quite simple games, but at least you had something to play thanks to MicroDeal if you were a Dragon 32 owner. And of course, if you were a hardware maker like Sinclair or Amstrad. Anyway, he goes through, like if you're into the history of, of the UK um, microcomputer scene, which as we've talked about on Dragon Talk, etc., it's actually a fair bit different than what happened in North America. There were some machines we never saw and vice versa. So, but it was it's interesting. And the fact that you could actually go to and actually attend this in England, if you're in the neighborhood, Neil takes you know visitors all the time and you get to actually play on the machines that are actually set up and running live. You get to see the old hardware, you get to see the old software. Uh, he's got these little sections that are kind of set up to look like stores would have had back in the day too, like displays like this one here for the software and stuff. Um, it's, it's a really cool looking place. And if I ever get back to England here, I'm definitely going to have to pop by and check it out. This here is an ad. I believe. And, yeah. uh, Tim, did you want to intro this and then I'll play it? Uh, sure. Uh, we are trying to reach out to the uh, Tarn community. So we put together a video, um, you know, um, putting out uh, that we have a show that they might want to watch. And this is, well, I'll let the ad explain what, what the show is and when it is. Hey, Tim, you know what we should do? What? We should pick out games for the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Oh, the event held on October 15th and 16th in the Portland metropolitan area. Yeah! Oh, well, maybe we could do, we could play one of the five Pac-Mans that, Pac-Mans that um, I have. I think you have six. Oh, man. <laughs> and then you have something, uh, who oh, knows what the heck uh, yeah, that is. I should really label that. Uh, there's a lot of good games here to choose. Oh, seven Pac-Mans, <laughs> Timothy, seven. Uh, so what would make uh, a good player, a, t- a good two-player game? I don't know. Maybe we should ask our uh, viewers, our, our t- uh, I do like race yeah, car games. Yeah, Indy 500 is a good game. Yeah, maybe we should ask our viewers to uh, pick a game for us. Yeah, because they can actually pick any game because we have a lovely harmony card. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, so fans and friends, p- tell us below in the comments what game you'd like to see. Yeah, There's but, another you know, we're also not only playing Atari <laughs> games. I know, we got our Intellivision games ready. Oh man, we got Intellivision up the butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. 
Uh, Worst description you ever. You have a lot of games. You've been collecting for since we were kids. Yeah, a lot of these games are from when we were kids. I mean, I think you had that when we were a kid. I know oh. you. Oh, I Beauty don't know. And the Beast is a great, great game. <laughs> Donkey Kong uh, clone. It is a Tetris game. It is a Tetris game. Nice. Very proud of it. Uh, we should definitely uh, have the viewers uh, tell us what games they want. Yeah, absolutely. We have the LTO Flash, and we can play just about any game made. Right on. Uh, comment below. But hey, you know what else we should talk about? Oh, yeah, the T-shirts. The fact that we have these <laughs> wonderful T-shirts that we're selling, um, and we'll be selling at the Retro Gaming uh, Expo uh, of our favorite remotes. October 15th and 16th in the, in the metropolitan area. Yeah, uh, I still have, she I loves, these, she calls them remotes. I absolutely <laughs> adore them because they remind me of my childhood. Yeah, they're great t-shirts. They're nice and soft. And uh, there is a bulk pre-order link down below in the description. Yeah, you'll save if you pre-order. Um, and we'll also have them available at the show. It also looks like I'm For shedding tomorrow. on them. Yeah, and uh, we'll <laughs> see you at the, at the expo. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, bye! Yeah. So that was a little ad we put together. We have t-shirt pre-orders. We're going to be live streaming and being at, we're going to have a booth at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. It's going to be a lot of fun in a couple of weeks. Now, is that, is that Gaming Expo game console oriented or is that home computer and game console? I would say it is game console oriented, um, but you'll you'll be able to find just about everything from the 80s there. And are you guys planning sneaking some cocoa gameplay in there? To oh, there'll be people? a lot of cocoa gameplay. Um, absolutely. We're, cool. I'm gonna try to get passers by to to play with me. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Cool. Look forward to that. You guys are live streaming, so I'm assuming you'll come up with an announcement with the URL and stuff to yeah, yeah. And uh uh I've already uh have plans maybe on the first hour of Cocoa Talk during that weekend to to phone in and, and show you guys as much of the show as I can. Cool. Yeah, that's one I've never been to, so I'd like to see what that one looks like. Ah, who am I kidding? I've never been to anything but Coco Fest and Rainbow Fest, so <laughs> and and Comdex, I guess. Ooh, You're Comdex. asking for children to come and fight each other. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the we'll death. Have a, we'll have a ball pit. <laughs> the ball pit of death. <laughs> It'll be like a mosh pit at a Metallica concert <laughs> <laughs> with colorful plastic balls. <laughs> I just sounded so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it did. And why he came up with that idea is because of this. Uh, so this is episode two. I'm not going to play this here because we're not an alcohol-oriented show. <laughs> oh, just uh, show the picture then. That, that's after dark. We'll do that later. Um, Maybe go to the middle so you aren't focused in on the uh, <laughs> the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. was that was Tim's Tuesday lunch. You saw. That. Yeah, yeah. This is where I show how to make a Timmy tonic. Um, a lovely drink. Everybody should try. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I like how you have the ratios the opposite of what most normal people have. That was awesome. <laughs> so that's why I dubbed it the Timmy well, tonic. It, it, it was lunch, you know, lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, most people do like one gin to two tonic, and not not Timmy, not the Timmy tonic. The yeah, other way again, my sister had this idea for a second show on our channel, and um, uh, it has just taken off. And she asked me to do drinks, and she puts together these god awfully com um, complicated drinks, but they're admittedly yeah, you have to tasty. like strain fruit and yeah. grind it up in a yeah. pestle, and yeah, it's just <laughs> anything you got to prepare for is is uh, a waste of time in my book. Yeah, that's that's why I don't use mix. You just kind of just pour it straight down the old mouth there and just go. <laughs> At the end oh, of the show, right. it's uh, off-focused 
picture of a bottle. Well, if you've ever watched he, their sibling rivalry show, that's kind of what happens, uh, basically. <laughs> so the, the two hosts are off focus. and uh, Yeah, yeah. And it only gets worse. Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> the cameras are autofocus, so so we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. And actually, your, your sister did a third episode. I'm not going to show that one here, too, but uh, just to mention for any of those following the drink, uh, drunkology. Uh, she did a blueberry martini, which is now, I think, as she said, her favorite drink. It even beats the strawberry one she did in episode one. Yeah. Um, prepare time to taste ratio. It was it was pretty good. Then yeah. uh, you ought to think of uh, maybe a coffee show after that. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> ba- Bailey's and uh, coffee. Yeah, coffee good. is not my thing. Hey, but as a sneak peek, uh, next uh, the next drunkology will feature Kahlua. Oh, cool. <laughs> On ice cream? <laughs> no spoilers, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm partial to uh, lemon drops, so. Oh. And speaking of, <clears throat> so since we're catching up here, we've actually got two Coco-related games in a row on, on your yeah, channel. Yeah, I did two in a row, basically for uh, the uh, Game on Challenge. So I will let you talk through this video. I'll just fast forward. Yeah, so go the have not played the game. So here's where I crash. So I thought that was a kitty. <laughs> and through the whole show, I, I called it a kitty. And you can see we have no um, no sliding, uh, like the ultimate uh, traction. And those That's other things. That's because of the difficulty I, level you picked. Yeah, I picked zero for di- difficulty level. So I called that a kitty. I called the other thing a handbag. Um, <laughs> just because. Full speed Jerry can, but anyway. <laughs> Jerry can. <laughs> Uh, uh, but really what you need to know is we have a fun conversation and, uh, I win. (laughs) (laughs) Cut right to the chase there. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Jim wins. This is one I hope you guys do revisit, even if it's just like, maybe you do a a special show where you revisit a few games because you've actually read directions or whatever. Or Um, listen to you, Curtis. (laughs) Because this one here, I mean, this is one I, I love playing this one, two player, um, cooperative slash combative. Uh, but if you, the more difficulty level you add, the more skidding you do. Like, and when you play level fifteen, it's like wide arcing skids, and that's just so much more fun than the precise one. So, I hope this is the one you do revisit. I, I did have a problem with how you stick to the walls, though. I, I I don't I don't think it needed to be that that sticky. Like maybe just slow you down while you go through. But man, you really get into those walls, and it takes forever yeah. to get out. Tim, yeah. are your parents still alive? No, they are not. No. <laughs> they they miss seeing you on the show. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> especially the bar show. Yeah, especially the bar show. My my daughter commented uh, on on the drunkology episode. She said that um, in, in the eighteen years that she uh, spent growing up with us, she never saw me and my wife drink. <laughs> so <laughs> the show is just like a a brain scramble for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're making up for lost time now. So. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> At least she said, didn't say that she's never seen you play a game on the computer. Oh, well, she can't say that. That would that be would a lie. Yeah. <laughs> then the kids figure out the parents are cooler than they are. A little bit of your theme there. <laughs> so then uh, this one you just released yesterday, and this is actually one of the two game on challenges uh, for our two week span here. Yeah. Me and AJ play glove um, two player. Uh Oh man, this is a fun game. Uh, high, high, uh, fast pace. Uh, the graphics are great. The controls really work well. You never, you never seem to, uh, uh, you know, I'm stepping on the next week's 
episode, but we'll we'll just let that go. Go to the middle, yeah, where there's just some gameplay. Oh, and she gets so angry at me for um for hoarding hor- all, all the food because I, I you know the in in real gauntlet the food looks like um you know a plated turkey. But in this game, food looks like a potion. So I thought I was picking up potions. Well, the destructible food on the original gauntlet also looks like kind of like a potion. I guess it's a little brown bottle of something. While the uh, permanent mm-hmm. food you can't shoot is the one that looks like a plate full of. So you can see how it has half tile scrolling and uh, that bugs me to no end. But, uh, you know, we can't all be great programmers. <laughs> you know, I thought you guys would wear gloves playing this game. Would that be cool? <laughs> make it harder i just like the green screen effect where you know tim looks like a disembodied head yeah i need yeah. to stop wearing black t-shirts yeah <laughs> i don't know really what i'm thinking about there <laughs> well yeah i mean you're actually wearing one of your own shirts so i yeah, mean for the show I so am. you're trying to promote it but uh, since it's not showing the logo no, actually... but, but why i you can't see the logo it's just, it's just a yeah, black shirt I'm not going to size my head up so that I look like a melon. You should you should dress like this when you do Fang Man or something, though, because then it, it, it's appropriate. Oh, man, I should wear a green shirt and be a real floating head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, both really, really fun episodes. I haven't had a chance to comment on any of them, so I'm kind of commenting on it. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing that we have all these all these games from yesteryear just on on the archive where you can download them and play them. If you haven't played your Coco today, you're... You're really missing out. Yeah. The nice thing, too, is that Coco actually has quite a few multiplayer games. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons Tandy sold the original Black Beauties as a pair. You couldn't buy them separately. You had to buy two. Yeah. So they were kind of encouraging the two-player game. Most of them, you know, you take turns, but there's quite a few simultaneous ones, too, which is fun. So definitely check those episodes out. Uh, Check out the merch. Get your bingo card, which you can play along when you're actually watching them and see which... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I think you said you go for lines and you're not blackout, correct? Uh, yeah, you go for lines. Okay. On the bingo card. It links to everything. And I like some of these too, like gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah. AJ hates those. the game. I'll add the link below. <laughs> oh, Damn it. Uh, <laughs> if, if you have AJ hates the game uh, on your card for this episode, you will get a square. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What you guys have to do is a live stream so we can actually play live bingo so you can shout out bingo first. Oh, that reminds me. I, I did a live stream test uh, uh, a few days ago. Well, that, I, that, did, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't catch it live, but I did see it afterwards. Yeah, so that, you just, guys are planning on doing some live live streams? Well, I, need, I needed to test the stuff we're going to do for Portland Retro. Oh, okay. But do you have uh, any plans on doing it other than at the show? No, we don't have any plans on doing it other than the show. Oh, okay. But uh, AJ comes up with ideas all the time. You know, I mean, you guys have been in game on challenge live. Uh, yeah, time, yeah, so. we did do that. Yeah, that was fun too. Cool. Anyway, two episodes, two Coco related episodes over the last two weeks. So a lot of yeah. Coco content there. I, I know my, I know my peeps. <laughs> we'll tell your sister we said hi. I will. Yeah. And it's, it, I think it's official now. Both of you are attending Cocoa Fest this next year, correct? Yeah, we will be at the uh, the Cocoa Fest coming up in April. Is that right? Or in yeah. May? April. April. 22nd, we, will, we will be there. Um, we'll see what we can do about streaming. We'll definitely be playing the games during the show. So since we're getting people that haven't been to a show in a while or never been like AJ, uh, Ron, are you going to finally come back so you can meet everybody? I might. You just might. It's, it's my, br- be a my great son's show. Uh, 
birthday is on the 22nd. And he's in, Bring uh, him down, too. We can all wish him a happy birthday. We'll even play like, you know, a Jimi Hendrix version of Happy Birthday Electric Guitar on the Saturday Night Jam. Well, that's cool. <laughs> what else can you ask for, huh? Well, now that it's copyright free. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Septandi started um, actually just before the last show. And, of course, since we kind of delayed news, there's a ton of Septandi stuff here. And your stuff actually qualifies for it as well, Tim. So Aaron, after figuring out what Septandi, because he kind of almost forgot, he decided to do a bit of a specialty stream. Like he does these uh, disaster streams, as he calls them, which is just a live stream of randomly picked stuff on a particular subject or platform or type of game. In this case, he got really specific. He decided to do Coco Games from Tom Mix only. So we actually, uh, I'll just play a little bit of the clip here. Everyone, it's Friday night, and you know what that means. Time for another round of Amigo Aaron's Friday night disaster stream. Tonight could absolutely be a disaster. You know, someone alerted me that it is September. And September only means one thing around here, and that is Septandy. Septandy, brother. And we're going to do our part to get the Tandy spirit alive and well, theoretically. Because we're going to look at a few uh, Tandy... Now, I won't play the whole thing, but he went through quite a few uh, different games here. Like, here's one of the Dave Dyes ones. have played a cup. So that's uh, Gold Runner, which is sold through the Novasoft, which we covered during Dave Dyes' interview. It was one of his uh, first games he ever released before he even started DICOM. And there's a, one or two games, I think, the controls went a bit wonky, but it covers, like, Mrs. Maze and uh, a few that probably a lot of people haven't seen, like Wizards. Is this Wizards Den? I can't remember now. I think it's called Wizards Den. And a bunch of others. Um, he's got some, like, you'll see if I'm scanning through, you'll see some stuff that's not Tomics, but that's just because in between games, his uh, machine that he's running this on, the emulator, is actually just running kind of like uh, little movie clips of various random Coco games. So, but the actual game plays are all Tomics all the way, both the Novasoft and the regular Tomics uh, Grabber and Chambers and just a ton of them. So, um, I think he tried to play one of the Coco 3 Tomics because Tomics got out just not too long after the Coco 3 had come out. And they only brought out a couple of Coco 3 specific games, like Wild West, I think the uh, graphical adventure game is one. But he had some problems with some of those. So I think it was mostly Coco 1 and 2. But it's a good stream and uh, over an hour of Coco goodness and Tomics goodness. Let's go check that out. Uh, Coco Forest, who is one has been doing these uh, two packs lately of Dragon 32 games. So he's actually got the original boxed artwork, um, or not box, but cassette artwork. And he usually picks a theme, either it's the same publisher, or same you know clone of the same game or something like that. So he's, over the last two weeks, published quite a few of them, including a few that are uniquely uh, Dragon games. Now, I think we've pretty well shown all of these on the show at some point or another, like Datafall, which is kind of a Kaboom clone, Tea Time's an original. Um, Robin Hood, Chucky Egg, obviously we covered that one. Um, quite a few of these are conversions from the Coco, from Computerware and Tomix and Spectral that sold a lot of stuff rebranded with Microdeal in the UK. But there's a ton of stuff on there if you want to check them out. And plus, the original artwork is always my favorite part because they had uh, really good artwork on all their stuff and took that a lot more seriously than most of the American and North, well, North American Canadian companies too that just you know gave you a Ziploc baggie with a colored sheet of paper in it with a Xerox. What's the pinball one? Uh, which one is that? Um, bottom, 
second from the left. Oh yeah, that's one that's actually a uniquely dragon one here. And I'm gonna guess YouTube's gonna give me an ad at some point. There's the artwork for it. Eight ball, of course, was the Antico program that was on cartridge by uh, yeah. Charlie. The guy who did Charlie's Machine column in Rainbow. Uh, Charles, uh, shoot, what's the last name? Anyway, let me find the pinball here first. And we just learned that Cuthbert is on all these games because he was the micro deal mascot and they make all these games. Yeah, and Cuthbert looks totally different on some of them. <laughs> he's, he's Cuthbert on eight ball here without the name. That's him. <laughs> And I don't think this was on the Coco. This I, we've had a few like Pinball Factory, Tandy's Pinball, Radio Ball, uh, but I think this is different. It was unique to the Dragon. Keep the ball moving around the table for as long as possible. When it falls to the bottom of the table, press the button to move the flippers and bounce the ball back up the table. It had awesome speech synthesis. No, I'm just kidding. So the narration is <laughs> on the on the on this channel is. Uh, computer services. generated mm. yeah it's kind of like our uh who's new to discord which is all computer generated except for stevie's little see y'all discord the end maybe yeah all this right. this is one i don't recall i mean we had another uh, there was one by nova pinball i think it was called uh, this might be nova i haven't played nova in so long i don't remember what yeah it looks like. I think I did see this back in the day, so it might have been that Nova pinball, yeah. Yeah, because that was done by a company that was only around for a year or two. They did a, a Robotron clone, lower-res Robotron, kind of the same graphics mode as Glove is. Um, and they did a Demolition Derby game, I think, too. Anyway, oh. there's a ton of videos, a ton of artwork to look at. It's really cool. I Definitely go check out that channel. I check it out every week now because you know, I, I just like looking at the, all the artwork up close. Uh, next up, Paul Thayer. Now, this is the main rival to Nick to see who's going to get the next game out fastest <laughs> here. Because uh, Nick's working on Jumping Joey, and uh, you're getting pretty close. And uh, Paul's been working on Cocobon, and he's getting pretty close. So, But this year, he actually did a little bit of a video uh, just to kind of show this is the uh, emulated composite. So it's not exactly the same. Now, it's not going to look as clear as this on a real composite model. I did try it. So I'm helping him test it a little bit here. But for those of you who have not seen the gameplay, or don't know about the game. It's basically it's similar to Sokoban. You got to move things over to certain spots to fill them in, and you, it's kind of a puzzle where you have to like push things around, trap yourself. But Kokoban has a ton of extra things. Like Sokoban is basically just you pushing stuff around with little gold bars or whatever to their receptacles. This has like opponents that are wandering around and laser beams. You have to unlock keys and keys you have to grab and pressure pads that unlock keys. That as soon as you move something on it, it'll or a group of them on them. It'll open up the thing, but as soon as you push one off because you trapped yourself, all of a sudden the, 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 the door's locked again. So there's a ton of extra gameplay on it. And uh, let's show the little clip here. Save games in progress. He blew up. Yeah, he killed himself. You can, you can, if you figure you're trapped yourself, you can, you can kill yourself too. So he didn't technically, I guess, I was just showing the effect. There you go. Grab the key, the good door unlocks, you get the green gem, you're on to the next level. 
So he just showed he showed a couple of the earliest levels here just to kind of give you a feel for the game. But there's a ton of extra stuff that starts showing up. You have I don't want to go through all because he wants it to be a bit of an exploratory thing from what he's told me where the player actually has to figure out what some of the new bits are. But I can tell you there's definitely some monsters that just start chasing you around. Um, oh, some some real-time uh, arcade goodness. Yeah. And uh, he's planning on t- at least 25, 30 levels, something like that. So it's it ramps up. I've tried the first 12 helping him beta test it. And uh, the first three are just puzzle things, kind of like the original Sokoban. And then after that, it starts adding in all kinds of stuff. And it actually gets quite interesting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the final version of that game. And then, uh, Nick, did you have any update in Jumping Joy you wanted to mention? or Not yet. No, I might have one next week. Well, but, I might beat uh, you. Yeah, <laughs> he might. But um, what I was just wondering, do you want to talk about uh, that other uh, game we were talking about this week? Yeah, actually, after like, I don't have too many more game things to go through. Once I get to the end of those, I'll I'll queue you up and you can you can show that. Ah, well, you can talk about it and I can play the video. Yeah, I guess we can both talk about it. Uh, we're talking oh, about it I'll talk about it too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next up, we have Eight Bits in the Basement, who of course has been a guest on the show a couple times. And uh, he did a uh, YouTube video here with a pre-release of uh, Mr. Dave Six or Nine Dave Very uh, Space Pirate Kimiko, which is kind of a adventure strategy with a lot of you know uh, Coco people as guest stars. And he kind of explains like right now it's currently only runs in the emulators because he's got like musical soundtracks running MP3s and stuff. And like a lot of people with you know dealing with hardware, I'm sure Rick can attest to this. You know, trying to get the proper chips to actually make hardware, which he's planning on doing the Coco side is to make an actual cartridge you plug in that enhances all the sound with all this extra stuff and enhances graphics and stuff as well. Um, of course, chip shortages. <laughs> so, Hey, you doing, everybody? Greetings and welcome to today's September-themed edition of 8-Bits in the Basement. So today what I'd like to do is celebrate all the new software that's coming out for the Tandy line of computers, Coco 1, 2, and 3. So many of you that are involved in the community will know that there's constantly new software, new games being developed for these systems by people like Nick Morantes, who just came out with a new game a couple of months back called Zero Hour for the... I'm sorry, I forgot to cut off the Nick Morantes plug there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Just rewind it a few times. <laughs> so Nick's this is a, a six guy. or nine. We'll get over it. Yeah, it's it's a six or nine base game. It does it will you know for the actual running on real hardware will require that cartridge uh, with the updated uh, sound and stuff on it. But uh, just to kind of show you what the gameplay looks like, and I, one thing I have to point out here, uh, Dave only started learning assembly language on the Coco at all about a year and a half, two years ago. So he's come pretty far for that that short time span. The technician can use them to do the super to use against the end boss. After you've collected enough junk, you'll get a call from Kimiko to go meet her on the mothership. Now just before we go meet Kimiko on that mothership, let's take a look at how hyperspace travel works. In the game there are two main views. Satellite view, which is the view we've been using right up until now, and cockpit view, which takes us inside the ship to see things how the pilot would see them. From cockpit view, you can access all types of info on the ship's status. Pressing the status key will take you to system stats, where you can check on the navcom, 
lasers, warp, communication, shields, missiles, and your scanner's health. You can also anyway. It's a it's a pretty detailed kind of preview review of it, I guess you call it. Um, I'm not gonna play the whole thing because it's almost ten minutes long, but uh, it goes into a lot of details. Of the game it shows some of the guest star appearances of uh, I think like Aaron's the the Miguel Aaron that we just had on earlier is actually the main villain, which he really loves um, in the game type thing. And then there's guest appearances by Ken and myself and Steve and a whole bunch of others too. So uh, I'm Mark, on there also. There. Yep, yeah, Mark. Yeah. I was gonna mention. Um, I don't think I've even seen them all, to be honest. Um, there's, there's a ton of them in there. By the way, big kudos for for Dave for making this and and you know the upcoming hardware, which he's kind of previewed on our show before as well. Um, and also just the fact that he managed to you know get something like this done in as short of a time span as he had to to learn a semi language on the Coco. That's that's quite quite the feat. It, it took me a heck of a lot longer than that to get up to this level. Actually, I'm still at this level because I can't read games for crap, but. And then Mikey, he started his Septandi uh, video blogs. Uh, most of them are on fairly serious subjects, so you're going to see the majority of them in the regular news section. But he actually had one here titled Why Mikey is Not a Game Programmer, which I thought was a hilarious title. And it basically shows what he was trying to do at 12 years old. He was kind of doing a 2001 Space Odyssey theme thing, but he hadn't learned all the commands. He hadn't learned get put and stuff. So he's kind of doing things in ways that, you know, probably are not conducive to making a great arcade game, um, like loading your disk images for your what you're putting on the screen from disk for every single frame. But uh, he put it up kind of as a, as a bit of a comical thing, you know, showing, you know, what a 12-year-old self version of him was trying to accomplish at with the skills that he had at the time. And I think it is a good reminder to any of us that have been programming for a while and then you've gotten semi-adept at it type thing. That we all just start somewhere, and that's where you know that kind of ties in with Mr. Dave. That you know he just learned a semi language you know the last two years here too. In this case, you know Mikey's just learning basic, and I remember going through a lot of this stuff too. And uh, and you know I'm still learning every time I'm you know getting into a major program or disassembling a program for Nitrous Nine to figure out why something's not working. I'm learning new stuff all the time too, and I think it gets boring if you quit learning stuff. So since this one's only two minutes long, I will play most of it here, but. Uh, Sound card. <laughs> yeah. And a song that's old enough it's not copyrighted. <laughs> we won't talk about performance copyrights. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I can mute it because it's not really sound required anyway. Well, they used this in 2001, Space yeah. Odyssey, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. They absolutely did. A nice little uh, space shuttle there, but to animate it, he's actually loading a bin file from disk every frame. <laughs> oh, painful! But you're just starting. You just finally learned, especially if you came from cassette. I mean, this is going to seem so fast. You actually probably think it is animated. So, and you're flying towards this, which uh, he's doing with draw and paint commands. No, 
No, honestly, I think he's he's kind of selling himself short here. I think he could definitely program a game these days. His his programming skills have gotten way beyond this point. But it's just kind of funny going back to what we did when you were twelve. I've actually seen some mild stuff back from back in that time frame too, and it's it's not any better than this. Let's say that that way. Who amongst us has not written a game this bad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Heck, I'm writing an OS right now that's that bad. So. <laughs> I mean, I can't even draw a trash can. Why am I trying to write an OS? <laughs> At least you're smart enough to contract that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just hope he doesn't expect to get paid. So th this one here from Canada Course is at the show, so we couldn't be here to comment on it, so I'll have to play little clips. But basically what he did is he picked his top five nostalgic games. So this isn't his favorite games of all time on the Coco. This isn't you know, the best games on the Coco. This is the five that bring back the most memories for him. And he picked a few that aren't as common. Um, and I, at the time, he did not know anything about third party. Like when, when he was growing up in North Balford, it was all just Radio Shack. That's all you knew about. He didn't know about Rainbow. He didn't know about any of that stuff. So everything's a Tandy product in this case. Uh, I was lucky, um, and I put a comment on his video here about that too, that one local computer store in Saskatoon in 1982 in the summer actually started carrying third party for a bunch of the 8-bit micros, including the Coco. And that's where I first picked up like Phantom Slayer and Invaders Revenge and a few other games in Rainbow Magazine itself, for that matter. So, Ken, <clears throat> uh, picked a, I'll, I'll just give you a, like a screenshot of each. So, you picked Dino Wars or Robert Kilgus game uh, or Dino Wars. I guess it depends on who wants to pronounce it, whichever way. Um, this is a cool one because it's 3D. <clears throat> it's one of the ones that's a mandatory two player game. And I think you guys already covered it on your show, didn't you, uh, Tim? No, we have not done Dino Wars yet. Oh, okay. That's going to have a lot of swearing from AJ. I can tell already. Yeah, we're going to do it in front of the banner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. And this is one, <clears throat> I don't think we can cover this. It's not super score-oriented, so I don't know if we'll be covering this one on the Game on Challenge at any point, but this is one actually I really liked back in the day. Now, for those of you that were in the Tier City Model 1-3 era, some of the best animations, games, or just demos were came from Leo Christopherson. And, and Nick, I'm sure you can attest to this because you were a fan yeah. of some of his work. Because uh, yeah, he, I'm trying to remember what all he did. He did the Ride of the, or Voyage of the Valkyrie. He did. Ah, uh, uh, he did Android uh, Nim. Android Nim. He did. Um, what was? What were they? Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wait a second. Wasn't there? A movie called Starship Troopers, and this is a you know semi-licensed version of Robert Heinlein's Alien Bugs book. came from. Or, uh, short story. That the movie is based on, and you uh, basically you're the little dot there, and you have to fry the giant spiders when they come down. So interestingly enough, that would make this the very first Starship Trooper game. It came out a long time before the uh, actual movie ever came out. So, and I'll mention it's a fun game. Like there's a little bit of planning. <clears throat> you got the little map where you're finding the bugs, and you you're, you get paid by how many bugs you kill. Do bugs <clears throat> set themselves on fire? No. They that little arcing, <clears throat> excuse me, that little arcing circles them firing at you, so you can actually get damaged, and your mm. your suit will get damaged. But uh, 
lighting them on fire is totally up to you. My first, the first thing I think of uh, when I see this is Polaris or uh, Missile Command. Yeah, and for me, it reminds me actually of one of the games this week, Firecopter, because it came up at the same time. They're using the same screen resolution, the same screen mode. Um, the puke color One's a bit set? more three, and you're lighting stuff. Uh, there's stuff in fire all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a Steve Bjork classic that uh, I'm also a big fan of. This was kind of, I don't know what you say, it's loosely based on Defender because of the way you're flying, except you're protecting a convoy and you have to go from the far left to the right. And as your levels progress, it adds more stuff you have to worry about. First of all, there's just asteroids that might destroy you or the ship. Then you get aliens firing at you. Then you get mixtures of both. And they drag them off to the side and your convoy gets spread out and it's harder to protect them and all. Um, For those of you who have not seen, I'll play a little clip. I don't remember. So it really captured my imagination. I think we have covered this one on the Game on Channel before. I've been able to play space shooter games in the arcade my color computer there's a rick adams classic it is another game that i played and notice the pmo2 artifacting is that that space game one that particularly captured my imagination because at the time i would say that indiana jones was probably and of course the classic the one that coco's best known for i would say this is a game that truly captured my imagination if you don't know what Dungeons of Dagrath is. <clears throat> and as we've discussed many, many times before, if you're a programmer on the Coco who doesn't really play games, for most programmers, this was the exception. This is the one that even the programmers like playing. I remember my Radio Shack had a, had a um, somehow gotten um, uh, the map screen printed out to a dot matrix printer and they posted it on the one of their walls. Oh, really? Yeah. I think they pulled the cartridge like Joke, when it yeah, live. <laughs> and then uh yeah, who knows how they did it. And speaking of pulling the cartridge out live while the computer's on, um <clears throat> the channel Retro Gaming Nook, which we covered, I think last September they played some Coco stuff, but he's got a, a real Coco three, and I think it's him and his wife that are playing it. They both had or access to Coco's back when they were young, so it's kind of a nostalgia trip for them. So they did a couple of videos here as part of Septandi, just showing some gameplay. This first one here <clears throat> shows Arkanoid, Slay the Nearies, and Space Assault. Um, but he didn't know about the cartridge thing either, so he thought it was enough to hold the reset button down and then just yank the cartridge out, put the other Oops. one in without shutting the power off. Huh. And he hasn't blown anything up yet, so he's been pretty pretty lucky. Hopefully you commented already. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <clears throat> and so he's got the Coco 3, so he's actually playing like the Coco 3 version of Arkanoid because it's a, an auto-detect cartridge. Uh, an officially licensed arcade game. Here's Slay the Nearies, which is a Spectral Associates uh, kind of clone of uh, Centipede or Millipede. And Space Assault, which was <clears throat> fun to hear them trying to get used to the analog joysticks. Because uh, most people would assume Space Invaders, if I move it left, you're going to move left. If you move it right, you're going to move right. But actually, it's positional. So if you're like three quarters of the way over, that's where your ship's going proportionally on the screen. Which, uh, for people that are not used to analog joystick, that takes a heck of a long time to get used to. Which So much green. <laughs> well, it's an alien world, Nick. It can be whatever color it wants. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you, can, you can actually listen to them like you just said. Yeah, I'm going to hold down the reset, yank the cartridge out. Hopefully this doesn't do anything. Slams the next cartridge in. Type thing, so... 
I, I, I commented on it between the two. Now, I don't know if the second one was recorded before or after. Um, but basically, they, they I think he was still doing that at that point. But he did comment, replied to my comments. Said, yeah, okay, good to know. I won't do that anymore. So this one he did, uh, one of my favorites, actually. And it's funny because when he first started playing it, he wasn't that impressed with it because uh, they didn't figure it out yet that the moving forward and back sped it up. So they thought the game was just dragging slow because mm-hmm. they would have the joysticks just a little bit up from you know the bottom. So it's not moving very fast, just scrolling left and right. Once they figured out this, the speed is up, or then they actually quite like the game. And this is still one of the best perspective games. I mean, we've seen Night Drivers and stuff on a bunch of the other machines, but most of those just do the perspective of, of looking on a, a flat road that just curves left and right. But this actually has hills where you can actually arch over and all of a sudden you'll see, you know, a new scene kind of show up when you do. For those of you who not played it, it's actually pretty good. The complex controls in this, which they did not try in the video, um, to me is pretty well unplayable. I mean, you might be able to break the record times, which are usually around a minute 13, minute 14 for most people. But the one where you basically control the speed by clicking the joystick button to jam your poles into the snow and get yourself going forward, you can get it going so fast. You can actually get from bottom or top to bottom of the course in like 19 seconds doing that, but you can't steer at that point. So it's kind of pointless. I have a fun fact for skiing. Go ahead. It will, um, it reprograms the video chip every frame. Yeah. I think that's a leftover because this is one of those ones that would work on 4k or 16. <clears throat> and he double buffers for 16K and he just leaves one screen displayed. So I'm sure it's the way that he set up his routine and he's resetting for the thing. But it, yeah, it would run, run in 4K here. <laughs> they have these little pop-up windows when they're just kind of describing something in the background to kind of make it humorous. Uh, I'll let you guys listen to it to actually get what that was about. You'll see a few of those in, on various games here, but. But here you can see the perspective, like now you're at the bottom of a hill, so you can, can't see over it. You can only see the one set of flags and you get over and, oh, there's the next chunk of it type thing. Really, really nicely done, especially because he programmed this in 80. Now, I will mention he programmed this in 1980. It was not released until, I think, mid to late 1981. There's a bit of a delay. Uh, same with Dino Wars, for that matter. But definitely one of the better ones. And this is the very earliest program I've seen on the Cocoa that uses stack blasting because they actually they're w- drawing the white of the screen to redraw the frame is actually done using stack blasting. And you know, mm-hmm. if you program it in 80, that's the earliest one I've seen of it. That would probably make an interesting web page where you, you go through historically and um, call out people for that technique. Yeah. Yeah, I know some other people were kind of speculating like who, who did it first type thing. And they were asking me, like, what's the earliest example you've seen of it? And I, that was the one I mentioned. Yeah, Luft balloons there. You're playing on the Don Panza blow up balloon thing. Now, this is one of the stranger games. Um, and I totally agree with him. Like when they started playing it, once again, they didn't really read the manual, but they didn't read it later on. Um, it just seems like really hard to control and really odd. It's a Japanese game. But actually, once you kind of get used to the controls and what you have to do in it, it's actually quite fun and quite challenging. Um, has anybody here on the panel played this one before? No. 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 I- Popstar Pilot before Popstar Pilot. Yeah. Well, similar. So there's basically three screens. The first one, you're flying over a city. And basically, you have to steer. You can steer left and right, and you can steer up and down. But it kind of forces you to go um, up all the time because you're a helium or whatever, you know, inflated balloon. So you have to, like, move down, but you can't stop. You can't stop vertically. You can only, you know, fly down or just let it float up. 
And you also can shoot, which he didn't discover until quite a fair bit later in the video. So you have to shoot the birds that are trying to kill you. If you collide with the bird, you die. But you have to reinflate your air. So if you see the air bar on the bottom, so every time you get a balloon, you get the extra air. And there's some bonus balloons where you get extra 500 points too. And then the second level is uh, where you're over the water, which I'll show a little bit up here. And that one, you've got uh, sharks diving out of the, the ocean trying to kill you, plus a narrower play field because you can't float into the water. So you have less room to work with. And you still have to do the thing. And then there's a third level after that they never got to, which I can't remember because I've only got to it a few times myself. And then it cycles back and gets you know faster, harder, et cetera. So it's actually got three different levels of play. And it's actually it's actually it's a fun game. And they kind of came to the same conclusion I did, where it, it seems really weird and stupid at the beginning. But once you kind of get the hang of it, it's actually, this is actually pretty fun. So if you haven't tried it, that, that'd be a good one. And that's a good one maybe suggest to have on the Game on Challenge if we haven't done it before. And the last one's a Coco 3 one, of course, with uh, Steve York's Rampage, which came out in 89, I believe. Now, I think they only have one physical joystick because uh, this one, he played it on the keyboard and he was complaining about the keyboard controls. I don't recall them being that bad. Um, I, it's kind of set up more like a, it was if it had a Coco 1 2 keyboard. So all in controller, you're up and down, and I think left and right arrow keys. So it's a two handed keyboard kind of setup. And then you have their two keys for your jump and your punch. I I'm, I'm, I guess I got so used to Coco 1 and 2 game, keyboard games back in the day, it never has bothered me playing on a keyboard, but they really hated it. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, I'm, I'm guessing he's probably going to be doing some more uh, Coco games as Septandy goes along here too. So, And hopefully he remembers to unplug the cartridges <laughs> or shut it off before he unplugs the cartridges. <laughs> so that's the it for the regular game on news. Now, Nick, if you want to share... Well, um... I'll uh, just share the screen. Well, actually, before we we start, um, this is um, you know, well, people who know uh, of the of our game uh, Xenion by um, Michael um, Duncan. Yeah, uh, Michael Duncan, that uh, Australian fellow. Um, he did actually start another game after uh, Xenion, but he never completed it. He moved on from the Coco, went to the IBM PC, and so it never never got finished. Now, before you go any further, Nick, I did want to mention that we have been trying to get him an interview. He had agreed to do it. We were kind of going back and forth some base questions. And literally the last two months, he's just disappeared. He's not responding. Hopefully he's okay. Yeah. But uh, rather than kind of hide the fact that we'd gotten this, what Nick's about to show you, um, that we had this stuff ready to go for him to talk about an unreleased game. Um, yeah. We'll so, I, mean, show I, it now. I met him. I met him back in the late 80s. He actually came over to my place. Uh, he lived in the area. So he came over and he actually gave me a, um, well, a demo disc of this new game that he was still working on. So it's unfinished, but it was a, a development release. He just gave it to me. And uh, I uh, packed it away and never saw it again for years. So since since we found him the other day or the other month um, that he's still around, I dug it out, but unfortunately the disc didn't work after all these years. Well, I eventually made it work. So I do have a video recording of the game, of, of what was done with the game. It's unfinished. Um, so I'll play it to you now. I'll just hope. I will mention this was meant to be a two-player only game, so this would have been perfect for sibling rivalry. Well, two-player, we think. We, we, as far as we can tell, yeah. 
Yeah, so he might have had plans to um, make it uh, one player. I'm not sure. Yeah, but this was a Coco 3-only game. It's a Coco 3 game, and it's a continuation after after his Xenion game. It's called Cyber Clash, uh, and uh, you basically – it's an arena. It's an, it's, a, it's an arena where robots enter the arena and fight. And um, – I'll just play the video, and uh, if you want to make any comments on the way. <laughs> did you share sound too, Nick? Or? Yeah, I, I did this time. So here it goes. Not hearing any sound. Get ready. Here we go. Round one. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's a bit of voice in there as well. So the two robots enter the arena, and... Uh, I think the one I'm controlling is the green one, or attempting to control it. Uh, the red one is uh, currently computer controlled. That's why I thought this game is also for uh, a one player, because I'm not moving the red one, and yet it's moving around a bit by itself. Um, I don't think he had it so that the firing worked properly. So you're meant to be able to shoot as well. Um, but I couldn't get it to work correctly, so that might have been something it was still working on. But if you just bump into the other player, you can see some damage happening, and you do eventually die. Um, but that's as far as he had, and that was the demo he, he gave me way back then in the late 80s. Yeah, there it is getting hit now, and you die. He's got some sound in there, but I think the plan was to have more. Then he goes to another round. The colours change, and it, basically that's that's uh, all that this demo did. So round two, Cyber Clash, which uh, was in development but never got finished. It looks amazing. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's a very good artist. Um, you know, his his attention to graphical detail is very good, as it was in Xenion as well. Um, but this one, this one uh, is a proper 16-color graphics game. Where Xenion was only a four-color one. Yeah, he um, did amazingly well for just four colors in that game. Yeah, yeah. So he did a good job, and this was uh, would have been nice to see back in the day. But that's about all I have about it. Get ready. That's really cool. Round three. Yeah. I'm really hoping that, you know, just maybe he got busy with work or something and he still is going to be able to come on at some time in the future to talk about, you know, the development of Xenion. It'd be good to hear, yeah. And, and then the where story. this was going, like, what was the ultimate goal of this game? And, you know, because this, this actually looks really good. Yeah, yeah, it would have been good. But, <laughs> alas. <laughs> but we, did, we didn't want to keep holding this back. <laughs> We we'd kind of had the the video and stuff. You're like Nick and I just going through getting set up for the the, the interview we were supposed to do, and uh, we recorded the video when Nick finally got it working. Um, yeah, and yeah. Because it looks really cool, and nobody's ever seen it before. We wanted to to, to show it, you know, during the interview. But since the interview doesn't, we're not sure if it's ever going to happen at this point. Uh, we wanted to show you guys so you at least see what you know, either a sneak preview if the interview does happen, or you know what, just to, to show the history of. Here's another game that never got finished. Yeah. Anyway, and that's all I've got. Okay. Well, thanks, Nick. Uh, what'd you guys think of that? That was amazing. I love the graphics. Yeah. 
There's a couple of sound effects I thought that were in there, like when the two robots meet in the middle. I didn't hear Nick, or, or am I remembering wrong? Uh, <clears throat> or maybe it's no, too I think I, Yeah, it was still. It was very much a work in progress, so you know it wasn't finished. Yeah, yeah. But as far as we know, I think it was just supposed to be like a 120k Coco three, one or two players. Yeah. Um, I know when I you you sent me a copy of on, on Mame just to give it a quick try to see like we were at that time we were still trying to figure out how to even get the controls to work, and at that time I did figure out it was using two joysticks you could actually move both players around because um, I set up my Mame on keyboard to have like two different sets of keys and I actually could control each one individually. So, right, yeah. Well, I only had the one joystick in, and uh, I was only controlling the one, and the red one was sort of moving by itself. Yeah, maybe just detects the, the the joysticks and decides whether it's yeah, going to be a be. one or, or maybe there's some game, certain yeah. key I hit by random random because I was trying to figure what yeah. to do. So <laughs> yeah, hey, a bit, anyway, a bit of cocoa glad. history there. So yeah, I'm glad I got the disc going again because I yeah, like you say, it's a bit of cocoa history. Good to know what even what doesn't get finished. <laughs> yeah, and we've you've actually been on the show before. You showed some of your unfinished stuff in the past too, so that's been kind of kind of cool. Yeah, it's always good to know what could have been. Yeah, or or even just hearing like, why did you stop? Like either the, technically you couldn't pull it off, or you know the market <laughs> was dying and you just didn't feel like yeah finishing it, or or you just you figured a better idea for a game and you decided you know I like this other one better, so I'm gonna stop this one. Yep. Okay. All right. I will now share. So I find the right window. Actually, I'll show something else first here, because this was sent to me this morning before the show started. <laughs> Aw. Aw, the gamer guys. <laughs> this, this was a nice smiling face right before Ken pushed the Atari off the table. So, <laughs> The warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I thought I'd just show that. Okay, on to the regular news. This is where we play catch-up. So I'm going to kind of breeze through these. Okay, so Ron Klein, over the course of the two weeks since we last did news, has done two updates on the Cocoa Pie Project site. Uh, the first one uh, was that the new CMOC, which we covered a couple of weeks ago, um, C compiler, or C-like compiler, uh, 1.79 is now included with the CocoaPie image. So if you have a CocoaPie and you do the automatic updates, you will get the new version of the C compiler. And we did cover this on a previous show uh, when the C compiler itself updates were, so I won't repeat what everything was in here. There's some stuff for OS 9 specifically and a few bug fixes and enhancements, blah, blah, blah. And then shortly after that, and uh, Tim, you probably know better than I do, a uh, new version of MAME 0.247 was made available for the CocoaPie automatic updates. Do you remember anything specific Cocoa related that was part of this? Nothing Cocoa related uh, with that update. Okay. Yeah, because he kind of mentions he didn't see anything new for the Cocoa Dragon MC10, but you're more intimately involved. So I figure if anybody really knows, yeah. it would be you. Took a couple vacations and haven't touched main code in a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're up in Alaska or something, aren't you? Yeah, I was. Highly recommended. Yeah. Coco Crew released their latest episode, 87. Now, this was a much shorter than normal one, and that is due to John's being in the hospital for a week with a fairly serious medical condition. So glad that John's out and, and feeling better. So uh, 
And also, as we mentioned before, Stevie got quite sick too here. So I'm glad that both of them are on the mend. Coincidence? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Tim, you should be on more often. You're fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's actually got a quick wit, unlike me. Um, but basically, the highlights in this one, uh, Neil reviewed Fabrizio Caruso's Cross Snake, which is part of that uh, multi-platform engine that he does, kind of like the Indifuru that we've covered for the Game On Challenge for one of their games, which is another cross-platform. Um, and and his actually is is even for more systems than the Indifuru. The Indifuru is actually meant for graphical-based systems. I think there's 51 different systems currently emulated and Fabrizio's. It's, I think, up to a couple hundred different systems, if I remember correctly. Like, it's just a ton. And it, it works with character-based ones, too. And one thing he's done recently, he's been updating the uh, engine to handle actual graphics modes. The Coco before that, it was just basically doing text. So there's a bit of a review on that. And, uh, you know, the standard, you know, catching up on news and stuff like that, too. So go check it out. It's a much shorter episode, as I mentioned. I think it's just an hour and a quarter, hour and 20 minutes, something like that. I would like to point out... Um... Uh, see, in the, the second news item there that you have listed on screen, uh, Modern Unfriendliness of 8-Bit Keyboards, uh-huh. uh, that Nerdly Pleasures blog, that's a wonderful blog. Um, he has great information, real detailed technical articles. Um, definitely put that in your RSS feed. Tim, I got too much of my RSS feed as it is. <laughs> I can't watch everything. Do I have to like drop sibling rivalry to watch this guy? Nope. <laughs> he answered fast, didn't he? Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, Nerdy Pleasures. Man. Highly, highly recommended. A, a great technical blog. I noticed. Yeah, the first news item is you. Yeah, yeah, my little, um, my little thing. I don't know if you talked about the right. No, I don't think. I think I missed on, that the first program. time around. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, a little bug in the main emulator back at the beginning of the summer, and I, I had to write some interesting coding to time how long the floppy disk controller w- would take to interrupt if there was a right protect notch on your diskette. Um, and it turns out if you, if you make it instant, like the old MAME did, or the current MAME as well, then some OS9 operating systems won't boot properly. So that was an interesting exercise. Did I just hear you say it's broke again in MAME? Not broke again, still broke. Uh, I oh. haven't, I haven't, um, it, since it's part of a, a floppy disk controller that multiple systems use, I have to get a lot of buy-in from other driver and uh, em- emulator authors in order to make changes to it. So it's not something that I can just patch and go. Okay. Now, is that part of, I mean, I'm going to get a little bit geeky here, but um, if I remember correctly, RBF on, on OS 9, basically, if you're using floppy drives, because you can swap them, Mm-hmm. It actually will read sector zero, and there's a certain ID on there to tell if you've swapped disks. It should be unique to each disk after it's formatted. Is that kind of what this is related to? No. Um, during uh, bo- the boot process, uh, uh, OS 9 tries to write to um, the disk, and I don't know why it does that. Uh, but um, because it immediately interrupts w- during that write command, um, the Coco hasn't been set up properly uh, yet for that interrupt, and it goes off into the weeds. What the heck would it be trying to write? I have no idea. I didn't look into it that far. I just found the right and and the problem and, and the fix. Is that level one or two or both? Or, Le- you know? Level one, oh, wow. not level two. Okay. Maybe that's why I don't remember that because level two is usually what I use. Most yeah, they probably fixed it. 
<laughs> I have to figure out what the heck that is. I can't see why the hell it would read. I think it's some sort of probing hmm. during boot up. Because I, I do know there's that ID, there's like the three byte or two byte sequence and a unique ID number that it's supposed to be able to tell that it, basically every time you use a copy or change directories, it'll check that sequence of bytes and reread sector zero just to see if you swap disks on it so it can you know not accidentally write a directory from a second disk on a first disk or something. Yes, that's a very good feature. All right, Coco Crew episode 87. Go grab and check it out. Okay, next up we have, and this is part of uh, Septandi as well. Uh, this is from a channel called Geek with Social Skills, which to me is an oxymoron, but I mean, um, he did pickups, trades, and donations. And uh, one of the things he picked up is a deluxe two-button joystick, which looks to appear like it, the box was never opened before. It, like This is in pristine shape, so I'll play a little bit of that. Next, we have the Tandy Computer Products Deluxe Joystick. Catalog number 26-3012B as in boy. I should mention, as it says in the box here, this worked with the Coco and the Tandy 1000 series. So I'll get back to where he is actually opening it up here. But, uh, you know, manual and everything, all the styrofoam's in there. Still got the, the cord wrap. I don't know if this is stock. Or I should say, Stockwood Factory. Anyone that's watching, if you know, is and then bought one like of these. That's clean. The day. Is this how they I can? think this might never have been opened. Wrapped it up like this. Still in plastic. I mean, look at this. Yeah, you can it's, still see the perfect. shrink wrap. It's in beautiful condition. Right. No yellowing. No scuffs. Yeah. No cable burn on He's the. He's messing it up. Just touching it. You got a yep. button back here. <laughs> button here. Let's show you. The you know bottom. what? Some, sometimes the sometimes the styrofoam will stick like, to the um, cable. Do you ever see yeah. that? Yeah, oh, it kind yeah. of melts in. That didn't yeah. happen here. That's the chemical reaction when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. But that that is an amazingly good shape. Like mine is all dinged up. Well, yeah. you know, I get ticked off and throw it against. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but you you, you can't uh, forget. It went from 100 at the beginning episode to a 99.5. <laughs> yeah, that's just half the value right there. It's no longer <laughs> pristine mint. Nope. Anyway, I just thought it's kind of cool that he actually has like a brand basically a brand new one still in the plastics still like he's mentioned as the cable still wrapped like when you bought a brand new and and exactly how they come too with the cable coiled stuck on top with the little white ties that's even the ibm ones came that way that was the official craft packaging i guess yeah really really good shape though i i none of mine are even close to this Now we go back to Mikey. So this is the rest of the video blogs that he put out uh, this past couple of weeks. I think most of this past week. Uh, these are the non-game related ones. So his first one here, episode zero, because, you know, programmers started zero. Um, he finds a bunch of his old three and a half inch discs that were formatted for the Coco, goes through them just looking to see what's on them type thing. And he actually uses the Grease Weasel. I was kind of hoping Dave would be around for this because he would just, you know, pretty well have an orgasm at this point. I'll, uh, I'll, do it, I'll do it for him. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get you a box of tissue. Um, <laughs> we have a fill-in. <laughs> I did not go there. I did. <laughs> um, so basically, he's reading the discs raw so that he can actually get them uh, properly read off the three and a half because he doesn't have a three and a half um, drive elsewhere. So I will fast forward a bit here. 
So there's a collection of his discs, unlabeled, of course, like most of ours were, or at least <laughs> mine were. So you have absolutely no idea what's on them. And then he goes and you know gives a you know finds a couple of his old drives kicking around here. And for those of you who've not had a three and a half inch on your cocoa, but have a five and a quarter inch, it's super easy. You just need the connector. I know some people have crimping tools and stuff to actually get the cable on there. I just used a hammer. Like I literally would just line up the wires onto the pins because there's little grooves in the pins. You put the top on it, you tap it down, and that was it. It worked. I've never had a problem. And as you well know, I'm not a hardware guy. This is super easy. So don't don't feel scared hooking one up. And it goes goes through into some of the settings used on the uh, grease weasel, reads them up. Does the little video, you know, display here, the raw data out of the disc oh, itself. Yeah. And then, Mikey really sold me the sold me on getting a grease weasel with this video. Well, you're the one who originally lent me the what was the pre- predecessor? Um, uh, the uh, cat weasel. Cat weasel. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in this game for a while, but the technology has moved on from me. <laughs> and then he ends up writing a script here. <clears throat> we uh, actually can take a look at the actual directories looking at that raw image. Well, actually, I think he converted to a different uh, image than raw, raw. I still not of, to a disk. I approve of all videos of Toolshed. <laughs> another, one pro- yep. <laughs> another one of my projects. Yeah. Thanks, boys. So anyway, that, that was really cool because <clears throat> it shows you that you can recover some of these disks using a grease weasel or if you've you know, got drives that you can't even hook up to your Cocoa or don't have hooked up to your Cocoa, you can actually do it from a PC or... I'm assuming the uh, the Grease Wizard works on Macs and Linux as well, or at least one of them. Uh, don't know. Uh, I like Mikey's running on a Mac device. here, so I'm yeah, guessing. yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes it obvious. And they probably threw in Windows functionality, you know, just because. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's kind of a follow up when he got to video blog one. He actually recovered an old Cocoa desktop oh, publishing. Oh, we're me- it's it's Hex one. You know, we got to be. Got to be clear about this. That's that's not a decimal number. Actually, in this particular case, this would be the same episode number of the year. Binary, octal, hex. No, oh, yeah. There's a dollar sign Except there. Septuagenarian, whatever, you know. It's a... Isn't that what it's worth? One cent? <laughs> no, we don't have autocast. You can't be sure of that. So. It's not worth one cent, but it is worth one dollar. Yeah. So basically, he recovered some of the graphics that he did with his desktop publishing software that he wrote back in 1989 when he was 13. So this is a year after he tried doing his space shuttle thing. <laughs> and he, he progressed a fair bit by then. Yeah, this was pretty incredible, watching uh, watching him put together those. Uh, he, he, he took an 8.5 by 11. He cut it into, looks like, eight sections, each uh, size of a cocoa screen. And he, you know, he worked on them individually, and then was able to print it out as a unit. It was, it was, it was going to be a pretty neat thing, and he got pretty far with it. Yeah. And he's firing up Mame to take a look at them. There's his little uh, Michael R. Furman publisher, thirteen years old. Yeah. And you know, mixed graphics, mixed fonts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, original program that he wrote himself when he was 13. So that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, being able and to runs, display fonts on the screen. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it ran faster than Home Publisher, too. So. <laughs> and then he managed to recover it enough that he could import it. And he, this is where he was trying to import the raw graphic data of the, the, the two by four or two by three combined screens that do the entire page. 
Yeah. And then he figured out he had to do some, you know, in the Indian fixing. Bit Indian. Now you don't run into that problem very often. Usually it's bite anything ending. Yeah. Anyway, here's what the Furman Gazette actually looked like back when he did it back in 1989. So his little test test bed for the program here. Extra, extra. Read all about it. And that little uh, graphic, I believe that's from Graphicom, isn't it? The face there? Yeah. It does look familiar. I don't think he mentioned uh, Graphicom during the video. Did he mention Graphicom? I can't remember if he did or not. Um, he's actually is in the chat here, so you might be able to tell me. Um, works on Mac and Linux and Windows. It is a Python script that's for converting the disk images. I found a disk with some code on it. Not sure if it works. Oh, he might even have some of the code for this. That'd be kind of cool to see what it looks like. Check your blank sectors. Else here. So these are two different tiles. These are two different tiles. These are two different tiles. These are two different tiles here. But wow, pretty cool, huh? I actually recovered some work that I did when I was 13 years old in 1989. The Furman Gazette. I mean, anyway, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, the vlog, like the com- combination of the two episodes where he actually uses the uh, grease weasel to recover the disc, and then he's actually grabbing the files off that recovered disc here figuring out how to manipulate it into a modern graphics program so you can actually display exactly what it would have looked like when you printed it out. That's that's pretty cool. Oh, he says, yes, Cheshire Cat from Graphicom. You, you see the picture of the shuttle there was stolen from Pixig, <laughs> and there's a phone number. Oh, this one here, yeah. yeah. And this one here, I remember this this image was in color, and it was up on the CompuServe Coco Pix form when the Coco 3 came out. Yeah. Um, so I remember that one too. So yeah, he stuck stuff from my uh, Graphicom and Mac McPaint from in the chat there. So thanks, thanks for uh, clarifying that, that Mikey. Tools on hand. Mm-hmm. I, if you can recover the program, I would really like to see it because I'd like to see how much faster the Noble Bashir was. I mean, we had some other stuff like Newspaper 09 and Newspaper and Max 10, of course, I think is the pinnacle of desktop publishing on the Coco. But it'd be interesting to compare 13-year-old Mikey's version. Now he just has to make a game out of it. And then here he did his third one, and this is more of an update on modern hardware. So this is, you know, instead of pulling stuff off of disks that are 30 years old, this is actually working on the Coco ION Ethernet card. Now, Rick, is this isn't yours. This is the other one, or is this yours? I can't no, remember. this is mine. That's yours. Okay. I keep getting the names confused. <clears throat> no, uh, you see, start at zero, and this is three. So wouldn't this be the fourth one? Yes, it would. Because <laughs> that's not confusing to new people coming mm-hmm. into the retro hobby. Perfect sense. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone's coming back from summer vacation, so we should see some software soon. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just uh, mute this just kind of show so people can see what we're talking about. But uh, this is basically him going through. He originally did some testing code to talk to your card in C, which is what he's doing here. And this is actually what's compiled in the Cocoa to try it. And now he's written read. Uh, I can't remember if this was CMOC or if this was in. No, this one's in. This one's in. Oh, yeah. Or is it CMOC? Yeah, I think it's CMOC. Oh, yeah. If you have CMOC version, duh. Um, And then you actually ended up rewriting it for assembly language to run on the the Cocoa as well. 
And uh, basically what he's talking about in, in this one is that uh, he's been away from the project for a couple months. He was busy doing other things. and He's just kind of getting back into it. So he's kind of explaining what he's done in the past and then kind of hinting that he's going to be working on the future. So I don't know, Rick, if you have any updates beyond what he did in this blog or. Um, no, not really. He's uh, he's going for drive wire. So he's not going to, you know, it's going to be assembly from the get go to get the best performance out of that. So this refactoring is, he's about to get going, is what I'd say. Yeah, here's the assembly version of it. I'm getting it to work with DriveWire too, as a drive part of DriveWire. Yeah, DriveWire with an infinitely long cable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just catching up on his comments here. So he said, um, machine language and basic, of course, kind of still Ken Riker there, uh, years started zero. And first DCC <laughs> on Nitrous 9. So first he was doing it on uh, Jeff Tennyson's uh, optimized C compiler, which is based on the micro one, but um, more modern and, and more bug fixed, optimized, et cetera. And he said then ported it to CMOC later. Probably I'm guessing to run it under RSTOS because the C compilers I remember from RSTOS are not as complete. Even though I have a few of them. So uh, this is a project I'm definitely watching to see what it does. And, and, and are you working actively with them on this, Rick, or is he kind of doing things independently? Or Well, there, there are many things going on. Um, but basically, yeah, he's, he's writing for the card as it exists. And uh, Okay, I heard you say as it exists. That means you're going to pull the rug out from him and suddenly like switch chips or something? Is that what you're Well, well no. <laughs> Things like right. maybe we can put a ROM on it so you don't need a multi-pack to boot off of the stupid thing. And and there's the DX chip where you can address the buffer directly. I want to put that where the ROM used to be, but then I want the ROM to be there when we so you know there's 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 some hardware toys for me to play with while uh, while we get this going. But as as the, the card we're shipping today will presumably run drivewire pretty soon. And it has most of the BSD socket library from uh, Henry Strickland, who's, you know, also working on it. So when these guys all get together and have a boot ROM and drive wire into a ROM pack, pretty slick cocoa, I think. Cool. He just said something else here in the chat, too. He said, code complete, but not tested, yes, for RSDOS. Nice. So it looks like he's kind of caught that up. Because he, he did a few things, like he did a ping and a few other little, like, utility type things, too, didn't he? Rather just talk to, the to this day, my clock is set by his NTP because I put it in startup and it still works. So I left it there. So no, you have a real time clock. You're just trying to just drive me nuts now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, really cool project. Definitely follow that along. Um, as as Rick mentioned, multiple people are working on it. Um, Rick's even done a you know a simple web browser. Oh, you have a fancy name for it too, if I remember. Oh, the worst web wrangler. Say that ten times. Um, yeah, I'm going to get back to that pretty soon myself. Uh, I ran out of RAM was the problem, so I'm doing my own refactoring and getting rid of string arrays and some other things. So, yeah, well, if you use some of the module swapping around too, you probably get a lot of extra RAM doing it that way too. Um, I, I got some ideas for that. If you if you want to talk about that offline, I don't want to bore everybody. Okay, but. perfect. Yes, because that, that's the next hurdle is 64K just. Ain't enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, next up, <clears throat> um, we have 
Matt Heffernan of Slithy Games. Now, he's a person that we covered probably about a year ago. They were doing a comparison video of 8-bit machines doing Mandelbrot sets, if I remember correctly. And they were comparing the speeds of the different basics. And the Coco Basic was, you know, middle of the road, a little bit slower. Uh, they also compared the C64. They did some more modern um, pseudo 8-bits, I guess. You know, FPGA-based 8-bits that are running at 8 megahertz, like the, what is it, the Commodore X16 or something like that? Is that... It's kind yeah, of that's, uh, that's David Murray's system. Yeah. So they did some of those. And I remember I actually did one where I just threw it in base 9 and actually we beat every regular 8-bit system except for, I think, a 4 or 5 megahertz system or something. Yeah, but you didn't want to submit it. No, I just don't do GitHub and all that stuff. I offered to send him a disk image because he said he was familiar with emulators and he never did anything with it. So <laughs> you want to submit it on my behalf, Tim? Please go right ahead. That um, defeats the purpose, Curtis, of attribution. <laughs> I don't care if it's attributed to me. I just want to show basic nine's great. <laughs> you can do that on my behalf. You have full permission. Oh, man. I'm going to so anyway, submit a he... Linux kernel module in your name. <laughs> Because I do all my development on the Cocoa, so I don't deal with GitHub and all this crap. You know, I'm I'm, I'm true retro, like I Tim, a, or like a, a Nick, I should say. I am aware. <laughs> I don't need this modern LW ASM and stuff. I'm just going to do this in ASM. Yeah. <laughs> if it's good enough for Grandma, it's good enough for Curtis. Exactly. I'm pretty well as old as Grandma anyway. So anyway, uh, he actually did an unboxing of the Mister here, and he actually goes through a bunch of the cores to see what they ran like. And he mentions actually when he gets to the Coco part of it that um, the Coco Two is his first computer uh, that he actually physically owned himself. So um, I, I really seriously, Tim, if you can submit it to him on my behalf, that would be great because I just want to show those guys up. Um, <laughs> you can take full credit too. I don't care. <laughs> I'm doing this on behalf of the Coco, not on me. I didn't do any original programming. I just basically. Typed course, it into I think the, the real, the real piece de resistance for me is to be able to bring up my very first uh, computer that I owned myself. Yeah, thank you, YouTube. I'm on the keyboard. We'll mute. mute. Tandy Coco too, and so for like the first time. And for me, for over 30 years, I have a Coco 2 again, <laughs> right? And this is the platform where I learned basic and really where I start learning how to program in, uh, in earnest here. And all of the, the type in programs over time that I've put into this very version of basic, uh, it, it's just untold hours upon hours of doing that and anyway i know it's the mister something like uh the amigos have used a fair bit and there's some other people in the community that use it a fair bit too uh i know buck owens has fiddled with it as well uh there is a coco 3 core but it's i think there's two actually there's a public one and then there's i think roger taylor has one rogers is definitely more advanced last time i checked or heard about it um the coco 3 you know freebie one is uh a bit behind it a bit more buggy yeah um, but they're working on it yeah, are you involved with that at all, Tim? Or? Not at all. Oh, okay. Thought you maybe had some insider but info I, there. I am a fan of the project. So, have you, have you played with the Mister much yourself personally, or no? I um, am a fan from afar. 
Because it is a cool solution. The fact that Cocoa 3s are so flipping expensive these days to buy. Um, I think we saw one at the show was like 300 bucks at the yep. PCF for 512K. Yeah, you, you pack a lot of systems into one into one uh, nice little unit. Yeah, and then because they're constantly evolving, it's kind of like MAME. You'll know, be getting more and more compatible and, and better, better and better. So. Mm-hmm. Next up, color computer programming. And this is a guy that I've covered a few times before. He's basically learning as he goes, and you get to witness his learning as you go. And I've been sending him some comments um, on some of his videos here because, like, he was did one I mentioned two weeks ago where he was trying to figure out what the heck is the purpose of P copy. I don't understand why you would ever need this and, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> so I gave him some pointers and he actually did some stuff kind of roughly based on it. I won't show the videos here. You can check them out yourself here. But he's also been doing his own thing. He actually started working on his own graphical word processor with lowercase letters in P mode zero or no one, P mode one, I think. So you're kind of restricting the uh, size of characters and stuff here, but he actually got it printing text. You can backspace it, enter and stuff like that too, and it'll work. So definitely a cool learning project. And if, if you're into one of those types of things where you're not getting taught something, but you're learning along with the person learning, uh, his his videos are really good for that kind of thing. We covered his Defender thing, you know, trying to get scrolling terrain and stuff in basic, which I w- honestly wouldn't have even attempted. But he actually got it working. I mean, it's not the quickest thing in the world and flickers a bit, but he got it working, which is pretty impressive. I really like this channel. I am a huge fan of his and the way he gets exasperated on on during filming is is amazing. Yeah, it's it. it's so realistic. It's just like me programming Nitrous 9. It's <laughs> it's pretty well identical, except I swear more. <laughs> yeah. Great channel. Uh next, uh, just because you know VCF wasn't enough, we've actually got some shots here from the world of retro computing that was held in Kitchener, Ontario. Um, this was yesterday as of August 29th, but, uh, I believe Fabian is one of the people actually at VCF Midwest. We saw, yeah, we saw um, him earlier and then, uh, Neil Blanchard. I don't think he made it down to VCF. I don't believe I haven't heard anything about him being there. And of course, Frank, who's our guest next week of retro rewind, you know, holding a Coco one, the final edition, the white case 64 K Coco one model there. That is the most awesomest Tiki room I've ever seen. Or a Cocoa Chew Down Under. Yeah, like it's actually horse. held in the farm, if I remember. Like, this is in somebody's yeah. barn or something. Yeah, I, I, I thought, thought that was a horse barn. I thought that was bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> you you West Coasters. Yeah. No fake barn? <laughs> no, it's not a fake one. I think this actually is a barn that's held in. But uh, uh, it looked like a really awesome show. There's a lot of retro stuff there. And, of course, you know, Frank has been obviously expanding the Cocoa the last year or so. He's got some other projects coming. He's got a diagnostic cart. He's got, you know, cap replacement kits for all the Cocos. And he's, you know, making Coco STCs and he sold out at this show. He had made, I can't remember what he made for the show. Neil had pre-ordered a batch that he's going to resell. And then they had some others. I think it was 31, correct me if I'm wrong, Frank, if you're still listening. Um, But between the show and the pre-reserve stuff, I think he completely sold out. And he actually had to work till three in the morning, like the following Friday night, because there was people on Facebook and elsewhere already asking for him and it was sold to sold out. Ed's is sold out. So, you know, he, he made a whole batch of them. So there's more there. And I think he had parts still for 50. And I know they're still trying to get Darren to agree to switch the uh, the mount type of the chip because the ones that are being used in the original Cocoa SDCs are no longer manufactured and they're almost impossible to find. But the same chip software compatibility-wise is still made. It just has to be one of those fancier ones that you have to you machine mount. Um, and that would solve it. Yeah, surface mounted. 
versus uh, through hole. Yeah. And basically that's the only thing holding back that once they run out of the other type, you know, you might not be able to make SDCs anymore. That's the only thing stopping at this point. So hopefully between him and Ed and whoever else uh, wants to bug him a little bit here, we, we do need to get that resolved. Otherwise these are going to be disappearing. Anyway, it looked like a fun show. I'd, I'd love to make it out to this one myself here. I wouldn't even have to go through customs, which really appeals to me. So, mm -hmm. Oh, they let you travel between uh, provinces? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Currently. <laughs> we don't even check your fruit at the border like you guys do. Hey, California has reasons. Medfly. <laughs> <laughs> so does Washington State. And Alan Huffman has been a busy, busy boy. Um, now, he has kind of mentioned before that he's pre-designed pre and pre-made some of these, like for the full month of September. He's got a ton of stuff that he planned for it. And it's a lot of stuff is kind of pre-made and ready to go. He just turns it on at a certain time. So he's got a lot of blogs here on, on Cocoa stuff that have been going up as part of Septandi. I'm just going to kind of breeze through these because there's so many of them and there's more coming out all the time. So, you know, just kind of follow Subita software site. So this one here, he does a 6.09, a semi-save restore screen routine because he was mentioning that he liked some programs that you'd, you know, exec it and whatever you had left on the screen, when the program exited, it would come back and leave everything intact as opposed to just, you know, doing a reset and, you know, okay at the top type thing. So he kind of goes through a little semi-language routine here and kind of explains how to do it. So that was the first one. Uh, this one here, I found hidden stuff in my own game that he'd totally forgotten about, which is kind of cool. So this is covering his Invaders 09, which is a Space Invaders uh, clone that he did for OS 9 and then Nitrous 9. Actually, Nitrous 9 first, then OS 9, because Robert Gold helped him write some code that it didn't need the new system call. We added for doing direct screen writes. And we've shown on the show before. It's on EOU 6.1 if you guys want to try it. But uh, he was going through the source code for it uh, to look something up. And they found some references to, uh, that he had some hidden stuff in here. And what he hid... Because he's got this one character in the font, and you can see the font he used here. It's kind of the, the byte style one. But he's got this one character that actually spells 42 in it. So that was his little hidden, you know, of course, Sabitha and, and Alan in general are huge Hitchhikers fans. So lots of references. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that I found that fascinating because I usually remember most hidden things I put in my programs, which I don't do too often, to be honest. Uh, Nitrous Nine, we put in the little. We replaced Ken Kaplan and all the rest of the people that did the original sign. We put, you know, West Gale and Bill and my name in originally. I think now it has a reference to the uh, 639 repository website or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but there's something. If you, when you first boot up a shell and hit shift right there without having any other command history in there, it'll print out that little hidden message. And as soon as you type in your first command, it disappears. So, yeah, but it kind of goes the explanation here. He's trying to figure out what he exactly did, and then he actually converted the font over so you could actually see what it looks like. This little hidden 42. Uh, his next one here is talking about checksums and zeros and X modem and randomness. So um, he was kind of going through his code that he wrote back uh, to do calculating checksums. Now, checksums are kind of like a poor man's version of a CRC. Uh, it's to basically make sure the integrity of a package of data is correct. CRC actually does a fairly complicated thing to figure out. I mean, complicated compared to checksum anyway. To figure out if any bytes have been swapped or you know the value changed, you know, and you'd get noise on you know modem lines and stuff, and you'd get some crap in there that would just corrupt a value. Checksum was kind of the early way to do it. Basically, you would just add the numbers together, usually mod eight bit or mod sixteen bits. So basically, it just wraps. So if you had like 
two numbers that wraps over 8-bit, for example, which is what uh, X-Modem checksum used, it would just wrap back to zero. Now, that wasn't perfect because if you had two bytes that were swapped in order, it wouldn't detect that because it would add up to the same. But if a value like 32 got changed to a 34, well, then the checksum would be wrong. And the way X-Modem worked, it would transmit 128 bytes, have a little header that would tell it, you know, what block number we on, just to make sure you didn't miss any blocks entirely. And then it would do 120 bytes of data, and then the checksum at the end would be mod 8-bit, what the value was when you added them all together. And if it was wrong, it would request the program that was sending to say, some got screwed up here, please resend that packet. That was its way of doing error correction. If everything was right, then it would just say, okay, send me the next packet. It was a way to actually prevent you from downloading corrupted files. So he kind of goes through explaining that, and there's some bugs in his version of it where you know a zero value would actually not work properly. And I think William Astle actually corrected him on something too, if I remember correctly too. But he kind of goes through that, and then he goes into a little bit of the CRC, which is a bit more complicated, but it will be able to detect um, stuff where the swap bytes, you know, bytes out of order but the same value, would actually detect that. And he also goes into like bigger checksums and talks about some of the, the different things that were done. And this is back from like the 70s and maybe in the 60s for checksum, I think might have originally been done. So it's kind of a cool history. If you did the old modem download thing, you'd be familiar with all that stuff. Next one here. Now, this is one I actually knew about. I didn't realize Alan didn't. Um, and I'm trying to remember the history of this. And Tim, maybe you remember, or Nick or anybody else who's been in, in the game a long time with Microsoft stuff. But I know this works in DOS too where normally we're used to in the manual mentions this on the Cocoa, if you want to specify a drive number to say do a load, you would do load, quote, file name, dot extension, colon, zero, one, two, or three for drive, zero, one, two, or three on your floppy drive chain. But you can also put it at the beginning with zero colon. I don't know some of the other Microsoft DOSs did this. And I think even, did CPM do that too? I can't remember. Do you remember. mean MS-DOS? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it works on there too, from what I remember. Mm. I think... T uh, the Model One, Model One TRS DOS did that too. Yeah, the millions of Microsoft early DOSes kind of followed this pattern, didn't they? Yeah, I think they like. Mm. I'm pretty sure MS DOS accepted it both ways, just like the Cocoa does, where you put the drive number first. Zero you like the Atari DOS and the all of those tape DOSes that Microsoft sold, I believe, did this kind of thing. It's not mentioned in the manual, and no, it's not. that uh, means most people never knew about it. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, I saw it somewhere. I can't think of where right now. but I think I first saw it in the Unraveled series. Hmm. I, I first saw it because I tried it. I was familiar with one of the other DOSs at the time that did it this way all the time. Uh, deleted, and that's when I first tried, and it worked. <laughs> and then I looked at the manual. Oh, I guess I'm not supposed to do it that way. Whoops. Right? Can't do that. Oh, well. So that, it's actually a pretty interesting thing. I mean, it, it doesn't really serve any purpose unless you're backwards compatible with porting code from one of those other DOSs that did it this way. Um, so it doesn't really serve a purpose. He does point out, and this is something, though, if you wanted to fiddle with it just for fun, uh, most of the third-party uh, DOSs don't bother having the extra code to do it this way. So like RGB DOS, HDB DOS, et cetera, do not support it. I don't remember if ADOS did. I don't think it did either. Or ADOS 3 or ADOS 3 Extended, et cetera. So I wouldn't recommend doing it except for as an experiment just to show that it worked. I wouldn't do it on uh, anything you plan on releasing publicly because uh, basically if anybody has these alternate DOSes and a lot of people do these days, uh, it, they won't work. Um, also, Wayland in the uh, chat here mentioned that CRC is only 12 lines of assembler. 
And that is true. But uh, back in the day, I do remember that it slowed things down to do with the manual CRC calculation. So a lot of people use tables. So the, you know, it was bigger to be faster type thing. I remember um, Gene Heskett, when he did the uh, Z modem conversion for the Coco 109, which has a 32-bit CRC, he had this huge table in there because it actually sped up the downloads probably about 30 characters per second on average because the calculation of doing 32-bit CRC when you get a you know, 1K packet actually was taking a fair bit of time doing it manually. And the last one I'll mention for now, I don't know, I didn't check today if he put another one up today yet or not, but uh, counting 609 cycles with LWASM. This is actually an option William had put in where actually a list of cycle times. Now, one thing that was discovered after the article was written that William pointed out, and I kind of noticed it too when he was mentioning cycle times it was listing, is that LWASM seems to default to doing 609 cycle times. So some of the uh, timings that Alan was thinking of, of doing for optimization stuff are actually a little bit off. Like there was some stuff that takes one cycle in a 639, but it takes two on a 6809 type thing. Yeah, I made that same mistake about six months ago when I was um, timing some uh, sound playing routines and couldn't figure out why the sound was at the wrong frequencies. Yeah, yeah. Because especially when you're dealing with some of the single byte instructions like decks and inks and stuff like that, it's like literally twice as fast on a 609. So that makes a huge difference if you're trying to do timing specific things. But still, I mean, there's an option, command line option, just to force it to say, okay, I want 6809 cycle times so that you can just do that and it works fine. And I think he actually did a clear screen routine. He was kind of figuring out different ways of doing it down. Unfortunately, most of these are 639 based. I sent him one, I think, unfortunately, I did stupidly didn't actually reply to it on his site here, but I sent it to him in Discord for some reason of a technique that I use that uh, is even slightly faster yet using deck A and deck B, especially on a 639, where you can do, not you don't push as many bytes on the stack, but your compare you or whatever you're doing to end it is just literally a deck A or deck and a deck B, and you do it in like 1K chunks, where you hmm. push four bytes of registers at a time, and you do a deck A, branch not equal. So you don't have to do the extra compare. And then your outside loop is deck B. And basically you load in one with how many leftover sets of four bytes you want to do. And then the other register, the B one is like how many 1K blocks you're going to do if you're doing a huge copy, like a screen or something like that. And then they're both going to become, basically both going to become just deck loops with no compares. And uh, it actually works quite well. And I've actually used it in, in Metris 9 and in, uh, I think, CoVDG and Grafter are both using it for clearing screens. So you're saying deck branch, deck branch. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And because it's only one cycle to do a deck on a six or nine native mode, it's pretty quick. <laughs> All right, next one, Rudy's Retro Intel. Scroll down, I just got to add myself here. Dun, so he, dun, 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 dun. Um, this is part of Septandy, and he did a video on an RF to composite and audio out mods to a Coco One using a tiny comp, which is less than $20. I think you, some of you guys have talked about the tiny comp before. Mark, maybe, or something. I'm not sure who, but it's, I couldn't remember too many details about it. Not me. Yeah, no. I'm not familiar with the tiny comp either. Oh, okay. Although a Coco One has a dead simple In this circuit mod, board. We will be converting. Hold it, put the wires on, and I... It is tiny. You can see it in his hand. that spot. <laughs> From there, we run a, run the wires between the the two the two um, metal plates. Here's like a channel. We can just run the wires through there. Well, connector the video connector on the RF modulator. I've cut the resistor. So, not knowing much about the 
Sorry, modulator. Picture of the final product here. Five volts, hence the red wire for the five volts. So like holes or vents on the side that these the monitor. I'm skipping this because it's all hardware and I don't understand hardware. No, just okay. yeah. So as long as you have the proper uh, location television required, we can power it off the composite monitor. But I want to do a sound test. Unfortunately, I don't have any cartridges or uh, units like. And this does do sound and and Coco video. One so. to test for sound. So what? I'm Which he tests. He can obviously it works. Find the device. Another great product. Pin twenty. So I go to. Where the heck does he got a good it? shot of the Around? tiny comp itself? Here. All right, on the meter. Hmm. Which is plus five. Around to do that. So where to? Actual signal. What I've done in the case, I've made a What if you just jammed it between the modulator and the shield? Yeah, is. you might have, like, it's, it's so small, it pretty well fits anywhere. Right, in this so. case, that little piece the, above the, the black two. post, we go. the tiny little board there. Yeah, it's yeah, sitting by the board. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm going to open up the case and uh, video out so we can then test it to see. So I'll go through the process. Yeah, I think that's testing. I have the inputs labeled. We have the video in. So at the bottom here, I don't know if you guys can see my mouse cursor here for the time showing up, but that little tiny square there, that's the entire board. And, and that handles the audio and the uh, video. And that's the board they sell for multiple systems? It just happens to work with the Cocoa 1? Yeah, I think this was just basically the specific wiring for the Cocoa 1 in particular and the VDG. Anyway, it looked like a pretty interesting thing. I I, I, th I thought you guys had talked about Tonycom. Maybe I'm confusing some of these other... There's a lot of composite adapters I've seen various people do, so I might be confusing, but that's a pretty small board to work with. I wouldn't attempt it. Generic. If I tried to solder something that small, I'd be soldering my hands. <laughs> my fingers would be burnt to a crisp. But none, none of you hardware guys have, have actually tried the Tonycom? Like Mark or Rick or... Nope. No. No, yeah. but if that's a nice generic little RF to composite solution, I might have to look at that because that would fit a lot of things, I'm thinking. Yeah, and he said it's less than 20 bucks. I, I don't know. I can't remember what the competitive prices are for the other ones, but uh doesn't seem too bad of a price. Could be fun. Probably yeah. could oh, be some things like Saying something about it. Say, the Tiny Comp is a universal composite video mod for any computer with an RF can. Nice. Timex Sinclair's would be a candidate too. Cool. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I actually brought something hardware-wise onto the news that you guys haven't heard about that. That's good. <laughs> that doesn't happen too often. Actually, you you, you guys have to school me on what I'm talking about. <laughs> Eight bits says it's based on like the most basic transistor in the world, the yeah. 2N2222. It doesn't get any simpler than that. <laughs> just an amplifier, just a little amplifier. So uh, it's like the first year. It's the most. Yeah, and, and Wayland added to that too. He said it's only a transistor. Something some do this with just wires. And mm -hmm. it's the basement says it costs eight dollars for two units. That's well under twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, post or sixteen case or sixteen dollars assembled. Okay, so that's like a. I wouldn't want to solder something that small, even well, if I did know how to solder. Well, maybe Rick could solder something like that, but <laughs> I can't even see it. You know, never mind solder it. <laughs> Magnifiers. Yeah, hence Mark's magnifier. 
Okay, next up is Scotty's Animation. Now, I've covered his channel before. He does a lot of stuff on a, a couple of the 8-bit machines, like the TIs and the Atari's. He usually has done programming stuff, um, usually graphics and that kind of thing in the past. He hasn't done anything Coco-related on that for probably, what, a year? Uh, but for part of September year, he actually does a video showing his uh, making and testing a Coco keyboard to USB project. Now, this is something he found online. He's done some software mods to the software. He uses an Arduino. So I will let him explain a little bit and then um, kind of password. Hello, dedicated viewers of the Scotty Animation channel. I do appreciate you watching. This video is about converting a color computer model one, not model one. Well, no, I guess it is the model one of the color computer. Is that right? No. Um, <laughs> it was anyway, just color computer back It's about then. converting the keyboard into a USB keyboard. And references there. Sorry about the crummy camera work and the crummy soldering job. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the way this turned out. But it seems to be functional. See if I can zoom out a bit. Well, that lets you use a Coco keyboard with a uh, emulator. Yep. So, Precisely. I'm using version one. Here's the key mapping parts where he was kind of getting some software changes there, but right here. This fast forward, we actually tries it. Cursor keys, space. Uh, I still got to. Didn't Aristotle say, give me an Arduino and I can need to, uh, yeah. uh, put in special function keys, you know, do various things. Now, personally, uh, I wouldn't I be using this with the Chiclet keyboard. It's not my favorite, but for a uh, Coco 3 keyboard, sure. For break. I can finally uh, run MAME without working. confusing myself of where all the keys get remapped. So I'll probably... Attach this thing to a Raspberry Pi Zero and uh, programming MSX. Why MSX? Because it has 32 sprites. That's why. All right, guys. Obviously, hasn't heard of the Dragon Plus board. But anyway. He also hasn't heard of Mark Siegel's uh, aversion to sprites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, actually, I kind of agree with him on um, somewhat. It depends what time power. period you're talking about. With a powerful enough CPU, you do not need extra hardware. Yeah. Well, plus it's more versatile because sprites were limited like how many colors or how many per scan line and all these other limitations you had to like work around. Yeah. If you have something to be able to pump a bitmap masking fast enough, you didn't care. Next up, uh, this is called the Terrace Color Computer in Soul Words. This is kind of a series of videos this guy has done. Um, and basically, uh, the, the title of the channel is Kick, Rock, and Roll, which is kind of strange for a retro computer channel name, but okay. Um, and basically what he's done here, he's kind of showing shots of a bunch of them. He actually has the computers describe their own history in text on the screen. So if you're on a Commodore, it shows you on a Commodore screen. You can see the Coco is the second from the left on the bottom. And it's it's mostly accurate. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's six minutes long. But he actually knew enough to talk about the AgVision terminal and the video text terminal before the Coco one was released. He goes through the Coco one, the Coco two, and the Coco three. There's a few little bits he's got a little bit off on. Uh, like I think he mentioned that the Coco one started as a 4K and 32K machine, which is not true. It was a 4K and 16K machine uh, at the very beginning. 32K was added a year later when the eboard came out officially from Tandy. I mean, obviously you do your own upgrades. But basically, it's it's fairly accurate, and it's it's kind of cool because he when he does the Coco one and two, he has you know, you know, the picture of the screen describing it, 
And then it'll flash to a picture of the case showing you what it looks like. And you include the ag vision and the video text terminals in it. But when he uh, gets to the Coco 3, he actually switches it into 40 column and 80 column mode to kind of show you what those look like. So, and I think he does it with some of the other machines too that had more than one mode. So I'll just fast forward a little bit, just kind of show you what the presentation looks like. And he's got some generic music in the background. So let me just mute he, that. He made his own main bezel. Oh no, a VCC thing. Oh, you put the VCC window on top of a picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of putting it in. <laughs> Good for him. So there's the original AgVision terminal, which is rare in the hen's teeth. There's the video text terminal, which is a little bit less rare. Video text. Video, yo. <laughs> And you know, another blast of whatever. This is where he got a little bit off. Expandable to 32K, not, not the first models. But basically, he's, he's accurate most of the time. And he gets into the color computer, too. Does he narrate? No, it's just this generic music. It's the, the narration is the screens themselves. Mm. That's why I muted it. 80s. They talked talking about the competition where the Coco 1 was, you know, Keeping up with the Joneses at that point, because like the you know, Vic 20 and the Commodore 64 aren't even out yet. And then the Coco 2 is kind of falling behind. And then he starts talking about the Coco 3, um, where he kicks in the fact, you know, maintain compatibility, but you added like 40 columns and underlying text and lowercase, et cetera. Don't forget blinking. Yeah, he didn't. Thank God, because I hate that tag in Netscape <laughs> 2. And he goes to 80, and they actually mentions OS 9, which means he actually did do a bit of research here. But then he mentions, yeah, basically at that point, when the Coco 3 was out, it was competing with 16-bit computers and the PCAT and Atari ST and Amiga and stuff. And you know, basically, it didn't compete with that. And it did, didn't on a hardware level. I mean, price-wise, it was a lot cheaper than most of those. And if you already had a Coco 1 and 2 and had all the accessories, of course, you didn't have to rebuy all those. The disk drives still worked. Joysticks still worked. So it depended if you were doing an upgrade path. But yeah, if you're comparing with a raw Amiga, yeah, it's not going to come close to matching. Though OS 9, you know, did pretty good. I had to plug that. Anyway, he's done a whole series of these. So we're into a variety of retro computers. Um, if you want just like a quick little history of it type thing uh, for each type of machine there, um, he's got a ton of them out there. And the Coco ones, like I said, mostly accurate and actually covers some stuff that a lot of the people that have done these Septandi and just got introduced to the Coco themselves two weeks before they recorded the video, missed a lot of these old details. They had no clue about video text in the Ag Vision terminal of the whole project of the University of Kentucky. Um, you know, didn't know about OS 9 at all, you know, on the uh, Coco 1, 2, or 3, or various other things. So they're, they're pretty, pretty decent little snippets. So I quite liked it. Next up, and I'm going to warn you, there's a little bit of uh, colorful language here. It's not super severe, but uh, it will be necessary to show. So this is the Adelaide Retro Group, and this is the one that Daniel O'Connor attends and has sent us pictures from before as well. And the first one here is actually um, Septandi plus, um, pardon my French here, uh, shit timber, as he calls it. And basically, you'll see a cocoa that was left in the back seat window of a car on a long drive in Australia when it's probably uh -huh. like 110 degrees outside. And that's what happened to the case. <laughs> I love the comment. Looks like Ouch. a sorting hat. Huh. No, I mean, it's a pretty interesting way to show the insides of the machine without having to take the case off, I guess. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he mentions this machine made the unfortunate trip from Melbourne to Adelaide in the back window in the 80s. <laughs> 
So, and the fact that it still works through all that, that's pretty impressive. I don't, I don't know enough about electronics. Like when it gets hot enough to melt plastic that badly, is that hot enough to cause damage to a circuit board if it's not on? Uh, the capacitors, yes. It could be, yeah. So I'm quite surprised it actually works. I mean, it's not yeah. going to reflow the solder, but... They were in the shade, though. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. capacitors were in the shade. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, they kind of showed uh, Craig, uh, who attended the events here, Craig Marshall, and posted these on Facebook, actually put some pictures up of any coke-related stuff. So he's got, the, like, the MC-10 here. And there's a uh, Color Computer 2, as it was known in Australia, though it's basically the 64K Coco 1 case. This one, obviously, has been modded with a bunch of extra switches. I have no idea what they do. That might be, like, inverse video or... Inverse video. RAM right protect switch for doing cartridges. I have no idea. It's a bunch of switches we used to put them back in the day. There's a Coco 1 with a Coco 2 keyboard and a Coco BGA, judging by the colors on the screen. And that's actually Dan Daniels. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. And there's something Nick's familiar with. Oh, yeah, the old Model 1. With the you, you recognize the game too, Mick? I'm presuming you a do. Beast, yeah, it's Gobble Man. No, that's Scarf Man, isn't it? Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, yeah, but I thought it was Scarfman. It's either Gobbleman or Scarfman. Yeah, there, there, there were two. If it is Scarfman, the one reason I wanted to point it out is because the Coco actually got a version by the Cornsoft group, same authors, of Scarfman for the Coco 1. And it was one of the very, very few third-party machine language games for the Coco that would run in 4K RAM without requiring a cartridge. Hmm. There's a Coco 3, the Coco STC. Are these all uh, Daniel's uh, computers? No, I think there's some other ones in there too. All right. Hey, look at that. So what's that template from? Like what, what program is that from? I'm trying to recognize that here. I'm trying to read the things here. Front slice, center slice, back slice. Undo, redo, turn cube. That be art gallery or micro painter? Or? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Either art gallery or micro painter. Or no, maybe that's that, color cubes. Did it come with a overlay? Oh, surely Rubik's you don't need an game? entire template for the Rubik's Cube game. Well, remember yeah. you had to rotate all the different parts all over the place. So yeah, it might have come with, with a template. Oh, there was? Okay. Well, yeah. It did, did it? Yeah. Helps you visualize okay. the 3D rotations. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense one, just from reading it here, uh, the yeah. descriptions. That is one of the features of the old chiclet keyboard, the fact that you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like master control, yeah. Micropainter and uh, Art Gallery. I mentioned the Tandy Soul. With a template, and you can, yeah, color and code the keyboard like that quite easily. You can't do, do that on a modern keyboard. Do I remember that the logo also came with an overlay? Color logo? Which which yeah. one? S DL logo, super logo, oh. or color logo? <laughs> yeah. Well, the one that came on cartridge. That, that would seem uh, more like I yeah. think, didn't it? Because that would you because, had that immediate drawing this, a, the turtles thing that you could do. And I think those keys were labeled. There's yeah, a save reason, and I think load so. function. Why would you save and load the Rubik's Cube? Hey, these things take time. You know how long it takes to solve a Rubik's Cube if you don't have one of those <laughs> oh, books, Nick? Okay. Thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it's is harder than silly. your mastermind games that you <laughs> put in your games there, Nick. 
Yeah, it is kind of silly that <laughs> the the color cubes came with an overlay, but it it did, and it was it was neat. Yeah, I I I'm like I up. I did play with the Rubik I did play with the Rubik's cube like the real one back in the day. A fair bit I actually bought one of the books so we could kind of solve it. And I think I actually got it down to like two minutes or less. I, I believe Simon Jonas's son Benjamin actually does the modern cubing stuff, and he's very very good at it. He places you know, highly in tournaments and stuff like that, but I was never that good. But I did try the computer one in the store and it was just like, this isn't the same as the physical cube to me. So it just, I never bought it, which is why I was totally unaware. It had an overlay. Plus you can see a closer look at the melted uh, case here. Yeah, it's a pretty screwed up case, isn't it? Yeah, it, it got so uh, warped there that it actually popped the uh, Radio Shack label right the off. The badge, yeah. <laughs> And he's playing either meteoroids or microbes, depending on whether he's running the original spectral one or if he's running the Tandy relabeled one. And if if you ignore the melted curves and everything, the case otherwise is in good condition. It's a shame. Yeah. yeah. Very shiny. Nice paint. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the fact you can actually peek inside, though. That's kind of neat, actually. Kind of a version of the IMAX that we did was crystal clear. Mm -hmm. And this is here is actually part of the same show. Like some of the other pictures, he's got of, of static of these. But what this is here is a program that was done by Mike Hockey. I'm not familiar with him. Uh, but he's got the Coco controlling a plotter. And this is one of the ones that actually grabs the pen and actually physically draws, moves the paper back and forth or the pen back and forth to do two-dimensional drawing. Um, I'll play a chunk of it here. He actually loads it in here. Then he takes requests from the people watching the video. How many circles do you want? Because the, the program prompts you how many circles do you want to draw? What do you want the minimum size to be one to 10? What do you want the maximum size to be one to 10? And then actually goes and physically draws it. So I'm going to switch this to HD so you can actually see it properly. And play it a little bit here. Whoa, blue. What? Did you choose it yeah, you just yeah, 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 yeah. Just went through the next Just keep going. <laughs> no problem finding these pins. Uh, Unlike a CGP 115. And theoretically, just look at the way this is designed, because it's friction feed, you could literally have a page that's like 10 feet high, right? Couldn't you? How far could it push? That's a question. Yeah, I can guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll play the whole thing here, but basically just draw circles. But it's it's interesting to see a Coco actually driving a plotter like that, because usually those were higher-end printers, like for draftsmen and stuff, and you wouldn't typically, if you're on a Coco budget, buy one of these things. Well, that's kind of funny, too, because a Coco would be no slower, and look at the resolution, you know? Uh, it's just the cost of the printer itself. that. Yeah. Well, Tandy never, sold one of these plotters, and it was like $2,500 from what I remember. It was huge. I've never yeah. seen the 8.5 by 11 version. I always see them bigger. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say this ain't not by 11 either. Like I said, I think your page length is just limited by, you know, how well the friction feed can hold onto it. 11 inches wide. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the Tandy one, if I remember, was much bigger than that, wasn't it? It was like a 13 by 19 or something. I don't remember. Anyway, that was kind of cool because you don't see a 
Coco controlling a plotter, but that'd be great for draftsmen mm-hmm. if you want to do circuit designs. Here, Rick, here's how you publish your designs for everybody to see. Right, right. And you're going to make them big enough you can actually read stuff. Yeah, and in the corner, you can actually put printed by the Coco. You know. <laughs> anyway, it looked like a pretty fun uh, show that they had in Adelaide there. This here is an update from Mike Roas, and uh, he was selling uh, these at Coco Fest, if I remember correctly. And this is kind of a competitor to yours, uh, Rick, for the uh, switches and stuff on uh, replacement mylars, replacing the mylar of a keyboard. Uh, now, here he had some suggestions from Boise to refine the product because he had a bit of loosey-goosiness in there, and they actually uh, kind of helped design a uh, spacer that uh, helped solve some of the loosey-goosey problem here. And he's actually, like Rick is doing with his updates with the uh, the switches on the bottom, he's actually sending out some of the, the, the spacer adjustment thing out to everybody that ordered one of these as well. Nice. Um, so that's, that's cool. Yeah, I, I worked long and hard to get rid of something like that because... I just didn't want to have to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, because I'm going to be using it more for game playing, uh, yours, because it has the switch between the Coco 1 and the Coco 3 keyboard modes for the arrow keys, that that was the critical selling point for me, even though you know this one's available as well. I still would have picked yours just because of that, because that's what I really wanted it for. That and the fact that my keyboard mile was crap. Is this show over yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, we're still hawking hardware and stuff. Well, do you have, do you have something to show, some... Grant, or are you just popping in? Yeah, yeah, we found something. I thought I'd be. Okay, let me stop sharing, show. and we'll pick up the news after Grant shows us whatever he's going to show us. Hopefully, it's not pornographic or something. It's just no, no, no. everybody's uh, trying to get in for the auction. I think. <laughs> so yeah, um, John found this, uh, and. I did not know this, but I guess he, uh, Mark. Mark, can you highlight uh, Grant here? It's still showing Rick on Ryan. the screen. There we go. So there is a group called RR Auctions here. Oh yeah. And John found something, and they're the ones who auction the not, Apollo stuff. Right. It is not cocoa related, but it is candy related. So, anybody know who this is? Oh, Bill Gates was uh, model 100. Right. Yep, and there it is. That is Bill oh, Gates wow. model 100 right there. Yeah, this was mentioned on Facebook because actually Bill had signed off saying he doesn't need it anymore. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it right there. That's the actual sticker. I don't need this anymore. It's MS property. Are you going to start using well, 200 is what it says. January 27th of 2086. Oh, excuse me, 1986. <laughs> 2086. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and then here's this, too. Oh, uh, Waz's glasses. Yep. There you go. Actually signed right there. I don't know how much they go for. Probably more than I can afford. Yeah, we're not and talking around Del Vol money here, are we? And what else did you say we need to let show? Uh, yeah, there... Here's the flight plan for Apollo 11. Hmm. Oh, there's one Ron might like. Uh, Ron might spend some money on that one. Yeah. So. But yeah, I thought that we, I thought you guys might be interested in that. Here's a where was the check? Uh, there's a check out here too from Steve Jobs. But anyways, so this is the this is all signed by Wise. This is getting uh. Auction, not auctioned off, but it's uh, you can win a drawing for it. So it's Waz's uh, signature and everything. 
So anyways, I don't know what this is. That whole table yeah, well. is someone's retirement fund. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, this is a... So there's Steve Jobs on the top of it there. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to see what it is. It's possible not probable. Well, look at the sticker up higher on the very top. Red and white, red sticker there. Uh, it is PSA DNA certified auto grade documents, all it said. Oh. So oh, is this when uh, Steve was shopping the Apple One around and he was trying to get financing from the banks? That might be what it is. That? I don't know. It's got driver's license, yes, and... It's like it's a, like a uh, like a resume or a job, like a job uh, posting of some type from 1973. So this would probably be before Apple, wouldn't it? 1970 what? 1972. That'd be when he's at Atari, isn't it? Yeah, that'd been Atari era with uh, Steve Jobs. So that might be his uh, maybe his application. This guy like post uh, post appointment and everything like that. Yeah, must be his application appointment. So yeah, the Atari. Yeah, seventy five so is when Waz started working on the Apple One. Yeah, so I found that, and I John found it. I want to make sure I send that off to you guys. So I thought that would be something you guys would be interested in, real quick. Yeah, that's with cool. Andy, with the with the candy uh, TRS eighty one hundred, that's pretty cool. So, anyways, I just want to share that with you. So <laughs> you can go back to the okay. boring Stuzy news now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Okay. Later, Grant. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Now, speaking of the show, somebody that's actually at VACF is actually part of our next story. Uh, what's Grant mutes, anyway? You forgot any transmitting? Time to kick. There oh, he goes. goes. I got him. <laughs> oh, you had to do that. <laughs> okay, so basically, uh, Jason took a bit of a side trip here on September the fourth, so last weekend, basically, and he went to Prospect, Kentucky. And I'm assuming if you guys can see the screen here, you remember mm-hmm. what Prospect is famous for in the cocoa community. But for those of that you uh, that are listening on the podcast, that was the home of Rainbow Magazine. And the Falsoff Corporation that uh, Lonnie founded that produced that and uh, PCM and a bunch, you know, they had their own books and stuff for various computer stuff. They also had a one on um, the VCRs or something like that, VC, like video cassette tapes and stuff and reviewed movies and stuff. They had something like that published for a few months, I think, too. At any rate, uh, Jason went to actually go visit the Falsoff building, which still stands. And you can actually see the name of it there. And of course, Lonnie passed away years ago, but. Uh, the building still has the same name as it did when he built it. And now it's subdivided into a bunch of uh, smaller businesses at, at back at that time. And if you've seen, there's one rainbow. They actually have a picture of the entire staff of Fallsoft standing in front of the building um, on Highway 42 in Prospect, Kentucky. And you can Would now you, see like it's the cha- Prospect Chamber of Commerce is now here. And uh, if you but, uh, go to the slide that blows up the uh, marquee. Okay. Spaces to live. I find it very fitting that in the same building we have a computer repair and a psychiatry office. <laughs> I like the Canadian reference because they call it takeoff business solutions. That's awesome. Take off. <laughs> but 
but yeah, I mean, the, the fact the buildings still stand is still being used. Part of it's still being used by the city because Lonnie, of course, was the mayor of Prospect for multiple terms until he passed away. Um, and that's a bit of Cocoa history right there because, I mean, Rainbow started in 1981 on his kitchen table with a line printer 7, I think it was. And, you know, didn't even have real lowercase descenders. And that's why we did the original, you know, Xerox newsletter version of the Rainbow. And, you know, within a year, it became an actual magazine. Two years later, did the first color cover, et cetera. Or maybe it was the first year. Yeah, first year anniversary, I think, the first color cover. And then it went to Glossy, and then it became like 350 pages, et cetera. So uh, this is the house that Rainbow built, I believe, is how Lonnie actually referred to it when they first did the pictures of it in Rainbow. Because they kept upgrading. They moved into, like, you know, office space, and then they outgrew that in months, and they had to keep upgrading and upgrading. And then they just finally said, screw it, and built their own building, which still stands today. Well, thanks, Jason, for sharing those. Next up, this is probably the most complicated way of drawing a heart graphic in low res I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, I'm not a math guy, but you can see there's like absolute values and cosines and, you know, powers of whatever and division and all this. Uh, so Jim Gary posted this and it's running on the MC10. And it's a one-liner. I was part of the one-liner contest type thing. And it, it draws the heart, you know, using cosine math. And it takes a fair bit of time. I'm just going to kind of skip part of it. But I'll just let you see how it starts drawing. I mean, you could have literally done just a table of... It's like the slowest one-liner winner. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he drew a heart in one line, I guess, technically could be kind of cool. But that's uh, <laughs> definitely overkill for me. And it takes like a good minute and a half to draw. Here at the end. That could use the double speed poke. <laughs> does the MC10 have one? I don't believe it does. No, it doesn't. You need a gimme X for the uh, MC10. That's what we need. Oh, we got X. Hey. I'm Joey. Cool. Anyway, that 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 was pretty cool. I thought, and and talk about overkill programming. And then Jim did another one here. So this is an updated version of his one-line maze generator. And we showed this a few months ago. It's based on a Commodore one, I believe. It's a one-liner to draw like a sort of pseudo-random maze. And he actually crunched it down smaller. So now it only takes 96 characters. And it was part of the 128-byte limit one-liner. Because there's multiple versions of one-liners. It's 80 column, 128, and 255, I think, are some of the common ones. I'm lost. Oh, you forgot to take the turn up there? Let's just yeah, hold up here. I did forget. Yeah, I recognize that from a Commodore program. Yeah. Yeah. They call cool. it uh, 10 print. Maybe that's the entire program there that creates that, you know, constantly going random maze thing. And he shrunk it from his previous attempt. One neat trick he did here that you don't see too often is uh, go to without a line number goes to line zero. So you can actually save yourself having to type in the zero. Hmm. Wait a minute, I'm confused about something. But there's a question mark at the end. Yep, that's a print. Mm, mm. But does it doesn't it expand it out? Not if you just typed it in. That's actually the raw line he typed in originally. Like if you listed it now, it would, it would show print. Okay. Just like the single quote is a rem remark. The last one that Jim did here was actually in honor of uh, Queen Elizabeth II passing away. 
after 70 plus years on the throne. And that's a pretty good rendition of her with her, you know, fancy hats and stuff uh, for you know, very, very low res. <laughs> no, no program listing here, but uh, just thought it was interesting. Of course, Jim's a Canadian, so he's in the Commonwealth, as am I, as is Nick. So it probably means a bit more to some of the Commonwealth people than it does for people in the States. Because, well, I, mean, I think you guys were on pretty friendly terms. I mean, there was a lot of shared history of World War II and stuff because she was actually active in the army during World War II. So, and it's interesting. Queen Elizabeth was queen when I was born. I'm pretty old. Yep. <laughs> well, most, uh, she went through how many was it? 14 or 13 U.S. presidents? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> quite, quite the history there. And she actually was outlived by her husband who passed away just a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. And her mom outlived her too. Her mom was what, 103 when she passed away? And I think Elizabeth yeah. was 96. Pretty pretty long lived genes in that family. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> and another MC10 uh, article: Joel Reese, um, who I believe lives in Asia now. I think he's in Japan or something. Can't remember the exact country, but he's in Asia somewhere. Um, he's done a lot of technical type articles. He's the one who actually did the raw translation from the Japanese OFM. Uh, article on the original, you know, release of the hidden features of 609 and fully translated. So this was beyond what we had in 92. We actually translated the entire article. So there's a whole yeah. chunk of stuff that we never saw before. But here he's actually doing some machine language programming for the MC10 specifically. And this is part one of a series he's doing on it. And the, the title of it, for those of you who are on the audio podcast, is Tandy Radioshack MC10 is Semi-Language Part 1, Getting VTL2, which stands for Very Tiny Language Running. And he kind of does a blog style thing where he kind of explains you know how to get the assemblers and stuff working and the differences between a 6801 and a 6803 because it mostly assemblers set up with 6801 they have explanation on uh, vtl2 and then some you know things that he forgot that he did wrong or he did some macros because he was kind of translating from a, a different cpu etc so it's quite detailed and he does eventually get it up and running he's got some screenshots and stuff here too to kind of show the progress as he's going but if you're into machine language or want to learn machine language in MC10, it's actually a pretty fascinating article to read through. And it's definitely a, a more primitive chip than we have on the Cocoa, the 6809, but it's, you know, pretty decent. I, I'd say it's better than 6502 as far as programming goes. I don't know about speed-wise. Um, and, of course, 6803 was built as a microcontroller, so it had other things like programmable interrupt timers and stuff on that even 6809 does not have, neither does 6809. So a good technical article on programming machine language with MC10. And then our last couple of stories here are for the Dragon. So the first one is that Richard Harding, now they've got the big Dragon meetup on the 40th anniversary of the Dragon. And it's actually being held in Port Talbot in Wales, which is where Dragon Data was actually located. In fact, they're going to be, as part of this uh, 40th anniversary celebration, they're actually going to take you out because the building the Dragon was originally built in, kind of like the Rainbow Softball Soft building, is still around. It's, of course, not a Dragon thing anymore. It hasn't been for decades. But you actually get to go see the actual original place the Dragon was manufactured. So this is update number four. So they've been given like dates and times and uh, the fact that they were doing this little, you know, tour out with the old Dragon building. And one thing I wanted to mention here specifically, they're going to have a game challenge themselves here with rumors of a prize. Um, And it's going to be Ghost Rush. And Ghost Rush, of course, is a recent game by Paul Shoemaker based on a, I think it was a mobile game, which is a lot of fun. And at Boat Fest, they were using Paul Thayer's Timberman as the, 
game on challenge on the Coco there. And it ended up being a dead heat tie between two players. So the tiebreaker was Ghost Rush, which unfortunately they tied that too. But but it's a, it's a fun game. We've covered it on the Game On Challenge. Um, very simple concept, very simple controls. You just hit a key to change direction. But hard to master. That's about all I'll say there. So it's cool. They've actually got an official game challenge. Of course, Paul had made that specifically to be dragon friendly as well. So it's a new game to most dragon owners uh, as well, too. So I think that's something cool. that They've got some new games coming out as well. And the last one here, um, and this is from Dragon Plus Electronics. And of course, that's John Whitworth. And he posted earlier that uh, when he found out he had leukemia and he was going to chemo, that he was basically just going to sell out of the stuff that he had done for the Super Sprite FM Plus kit and everything else he did because he was going to concentrate in his health. So he wasn't going to try running things. Well, his, his therapy and stuff went quite well so he's feeling better he did still didn't want to commit to doing too much like soldering and stuff like that trying to keep his health good and he posted on facebook here that he's actually got non-kit versions like originally we was planning on just having kits of uh you have to basically put these things together yourself but he had some volunteers out there that actually offered to pre-solder the super sprite from plus boards um and they did do that for him so now he's got them on sale not just as a kit but actually as finished boards so I, I don't think he mentioned anybody by name who did that. He says some people in the community basically came through and, and did the soldering on his behalf because of his health issues. And I think that's great, uh, the fact that the community is supporting each other. And he's now got them for you know people like me that couldn't solder you know two wires together, that you can actually get a completed, ready-to-install, no soldering required. You can still get kit form, of course, as well. But uh, much thanks to the people that were involved in, in, in doing the soldering on his behalf while he's been busy with his health so and uh hope you fully recover john and and get fully back into things and uh keep up the great work and that is the end of the news for the last two weeks good job curtis <laughs> sorry about my voice giving out all the time here damn puberty <laughs> actually it was your internet And since we already covered uh, acquisitions and stuff there, I don't think we have anything else there. I so think I'd... we're done, and we're at four plus four hours. So, yeah, mm. well, I was expecting VCF to take a bit of time. So, right. Okay. Want to run the uh, outros? Yeah, I would say so. I would just a reminder: uh, Frank Lynn Harris is going to be on here from Retro Rewind. We'll be on our guest interview next week. We'll be going through his complete computer history. Uh, last time we interviewed him, it was basically all his retro rewind stuff. Like he had a Coco 2 back in the day of his first computer, and then he kind of skipped ahead to when he started doing retro repairs and retro fixes. And this time we'll be doing the full interview, like when he was working on tech TV and, you know, had his, you know, uh, what's the show called? The Lab with Leo and stuff like that. Like Leo Laporte was part of that. It was all filmed up in Toronto. Um, so we used to flap with Rogers and stuff uh, once a month or twice a month or something like that to record a whole wrap of shows. And Frank was very actively on the air with a lot of the tech segments. So I, I will give one teaser when we have the show next week. Um, instead of introducing him and then, you know, do starting the talk and the interview, we're actually going to play one of those tech segments that he was on. Without saying anything, it'll just come on, and then that'll be your introduction to Frank, and then we'll start talking to him. So I got to pick which one. He sent me a list of a, a few that he's got recordings of, and I'll just throw one on. But he was into the high high tech details. Uh, 
greatly into Linux and OS 10 and stuff too. So he's a Unix guy. So the tech kids, I think, will like that that episode. There's your teaser for next week. Consider us teased. Tim will tease his hair for that episode. So. Hey, now. <laughs> this concludes another episode of Cobra Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weaver, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Riker, Jim Brain, Ken Riker, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot The original Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! Okay, <clears throat> I guess we got done. Oops. Yeah, I All do right. have to say it's a bit of a shock seeing Tim with short hair on that clip that <laughs> yeah. went by at the end there. Yeah, yeah a lot of short hair in those. Different color. Of, yeah. Different color. Less of it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, has Rick got anything to tell us about his uh, orchestra I, um, 180 board? Well, it was approved for production, so I'm waiting for them to come in. The The jump from KiCad 5 to KiCad 6 was more difficult than anticipated. So, right. some extra drama, but we're moving forward. Great. Okay. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's an Org 90 twice. <laughs> Quadraphonic. Yeah. Okay, I guess we'll say goodbye. Yeah. Mark, you, before we go, do you know, are any of the people at BCF planning on streaming on the Coco Talk channel at any other time during the weekend if they come up with something? Not interesting? I've heard. Not your Okay. Thought I'd check because I, I was going to advertise that if they were planning on it. We'll punish them later. <laughs> <laughs>
check Discord. You might find a stream. Yep, true. Because it'll be nice to gather up like all the Coco people like in the evening or something and have them just kind of chat to that, say how they think the show's going or whatever in Coco Corner. Sure. Uh, yeah, Rocky, you kind of missed it all. <laughs> we tried to drag it out as long as we could, too. So, <sighs> all right. Bye bye, everybody. See you all next week. Bye. Bye, bye. y'all.